Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Coming at you this morning from 9 a.m. until 12 o'clock noon. We've got a very full day this morning um, covering a, a very wide variety of topics, including college basketball, which is always, you could say, our bread and butter in this market, as Louisville and Kentucky both had big wins last night. Conference play, college basketball is in full swing and I know that everybody who's listening, for the most part, you all want to hear and talk about our Kentucky Wildcats, our, our Louisville Cardinals, and even our Indiana Hoosiers. We also have a, a very significant day when it comes to the NFL and the, the divisional, I'm sorry, the conference championship games. We have the Arizona Cardinals against the Carolina Panthers, and of course, the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning against the... New England Patriots, and Tom Brady. I'm joined on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, which once again is 502-384-1450. I'm joined this morning by my man Brian the Insider. How you doing this morning, Brian? Good morning, Kelly. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. Really excited for a big show. We've got three full hours. We had a very action-packed show last Sunday as we had probably a record number of callers. Uh, the weekend sports buzz has some serious traction right now, and it's a lot of fun. It, it's a, it right in the heart of it. This is when we're supposed to be active, as it's in the heart of college football season and just the most universal sport across the country, which is the NFL. Everybody has an opinion on Brady versus Manning. Um, and then when you look at the NFC Championship, there's no shortage of storylines there, as we have the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers, two number one overall picks, Cam Newton and Carson Palmer. Uh, not only number one overall picks, they both won national championships in college. Um, they, they both won the Heisman. I mean, Brian, uh, could there be a better day uh, in any more of a, a surplus of topics to discuss when it comes to a sports talk radio no, show? No, I agree completely. I tell you, it's uh, and good thing. I mean, we're in the middle of the dog days of winter uh, coming up on the last week of January. Uh, you know, big snowstorm this week, so... Good thing we've got so many great topics to discuss, but we've got to start right locally. Congratulations to the Cats. Very impressive home win uh, over what I would consider, and I didn't buy into the hype, but a very uh, average Vanderbilt team. I know a lot of people had them picked in the top 20. Uh, they're 11-8 and eight now and 3-4 and four in the conference. So, uh, But nonetheless, they were a big team. They had a lot of experience. Uh, they've definitely underachieving, but the Cats look great and a very, very nice 20-point win and uh, pretty much dominated them and got some good performances from some of the big guys. Still haven't seen any of the big, uh, the two big white guys down low. Still haven't made an appearance that, that I can recall, but Euless, uh, I'm going to put Euless up there as the best point guard, college point guard. Now, he's obviously not projecting as the number one point guard coming out of the, N you know, to the NBA, but in my opinion... For my money, he's the best point guard in the country right now. And, boy, he does not disappoint. He's a stat stuffer every day, every game, no turnovers, and he makes the Cats go. You could tell in the first half he got a second foul and went to the bench, and the Cats had a 13-point lead. And, and Cal had to bring him back in. I mean, most of the time you get your second foul, and you're done till the end of the half. Cal had to put him back in because that lead went from 13 to 5 in a blink of an eye, and here comes Trotz Eulis, and he gets it right back up to where it was, I think, a 10-point lead at half. So he definitely makes the cards – I'm sorry, the Cats go. He must be on the floor. 
And uh, but he, I really love his play. And then very, very impressive road win uh, over over a, a, a poor, uh, at least record wise, a poor Georgia Tech team. It was a very partisan crowd there. Uh, pretty cool looking little uh, uh, arena they play in down there in Atlanta. And a nice road win. And the star of the game was a very unlikely. This Louisville team, every game you got a new star. And this one was honest, honest uh, man. Oh man, he looked like the son. They actually even started bringing up the name Akeem Elijahwan. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. No, I, I know, and that's in large part because he's uh, a foreigner and he's coming over with limited experience when it comes to college basketball or to the sport of basketball. Um, and you can see right before your very eyes as he progresses, which is a beautiful thing. Rick Pitino obviously didn't coach Olajuwon, but Gorgie Jing, um, Nazi Muhammad, I mean, there's countless big men who, who kind of grow into their bodies at a late stage in life and then get to learn the footwork side of things. And you're right, Brian, Honest Mahmoud is arguably one of those guys who's going to hit uh, um, his prime and have a very high ceiling. Once again, we are the weekend sports buzz here on 1450 WXVW, the hottest sports talk radio show in the city of Louisville that's going on the weekends. We've been on the air for about four and a half years now. Uh, a lot of traction right now. The Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line is 502-384-1450. Be sure to get in on the action this morning. Brian, you're right. Tyler Eulis, I was talking to one of my buddies yesterday about it, and um, Tyler Eulis is not your typical NBA point guard, especially in 2016. I mean, you look across the landscape, and Brian, I know you're someone who follows the NBA closely. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is 5'9". Um, outside of that, I can't really think of many examples of guys that are that size in the NBA. So he's not an NBA-type candidate as far as the elite level, but you're right. Can't ask for a better college point guard right now than Tyler Ewis. Yeah, I really like him. I tell you, he doesn't make any mistakes. And and what do you want most out of your point guard? And that's to protect the basketball. And he does that as well as anybody. He's a great shooter. Good foul shooter, very good foul shooter. I mean, I don't know. I, I'd like to believe he could make it in the NBA. I saw something when I was watching the game yesterday. They they came across and said he is the 11th ranked prospect for the NBA as far as point guards go. As far as point disagree. guards, okay, yeah, yeah that's that's as, pretty. So I mean, far that down puts there, you way down the list, yeah. But uh, I I wouldn't buy into it. I mean, he's not a lot smaller than Russ Smith. Uh, Russ, you know, had a brief uh, little run in with the NBA. He's in the NBDL. I did read. His first three or four games down there, he's averaging almost 30 points a game. So uh, he's not, you know, Russ wasn't much bigger. And, uh, you know, so I really like Eulis. It, it, regardless, he'll come back next year. And, I mean, to have a guy in your program for four years, uh, what is he, just a sophomore now. So actually he's got two more years for the Cats. That's what college basketball is all about. And it would be nice for Cal to have – a point guard coming back each year. So, I mean, he may at the end of next year move on, but he definitely is going to come back next year. Hey, I'm with, Kelly, I want to bring something up interesting to you that did happen in the NBA this week. See if any of our callers want to call in on this. Out of nowhere, in my opinion, out of nowhere, Cleveland fires its coach. And LeBron says, I didn't have anything to do with it, which I greatly – I cannot imagine. If he didn't have something to do with it, they're sitting at 30-11 – by far and away, the number one team in the East, yeah, and and, and on pace to go sixty and and what twenty two, 
which is a good, and you win 60 games in the NBA, that's a very good year. And you fire your coach midseason, right at the halfway point, and LeBron, the best player on the planet, says he didn't know about it. Well, if he didn't know about it, he didn't sound too mad. Yeah, then Dan Gilbert's doing something bizarre because LeBron is clearly, I mean, Steph Curry's the MVP, but LeBron James is the most complete player in the NBA still. Why did they do that? Tyrone Lue is not their full-time replacement. He's a, he's a stopgap deal, no question. Well, he did get a big contract, Brian. He was already the highest paid assistant in the NBA at over a million dollars a year, and he was high. He was interviewed as one of the potential candidates to come in for the Cavaliers' job before they hired David Blatt. Keep in mind, David Blatt was not hired knowing that he would even be coaching LeBron James. So it wasn't one of those hand-picked deals, which you would think LeBron gets at this point of his career. Um, no, I, clearly, clearly LeBron James had something to do with it. And whether or not he knew about it the day that it happened, I am positive Dan Gilbert and the, the Cavaliers administration chose LeBron's buddy in Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue played for Phil Jackson. He played with Kobe, played with Shaq. Uh, he actually, I believe, played with Michael Jordan w- with Washington. Tyron Lue is buddies with everybody. Yeah, well, that see how far that gets you. I don't think he's there next year. And we'll see how they do in the second half. Blatt was a very good coach. Now, we just didn't know him over here. But I think he had seven or 800 wins in Europe. Uh, you know, I, I look for them to underachieve. They've got now a, a coach that has no coaching experience. I do not see, personally, I do not see Lou being the coach next year. I see the, the, the Cavs going down from here and underachieving the second half of the year. And, and Lou being out. Heck, and, heck of a position he came into because anything short of a championship, Brian, yeah. is underachieving. What, what kind of long – did they put him in a long-term contract? Three-year deal. Wow. Well, I tell you what. I Don't forget who passed up this deal before Black took it. Phil Jackson? Coach Cal. Coach Cal. Oh, that's right. Huge yeah. contract. He's very good friends with the owner. And, and and I, I everyone's got to believe if he knew that LeBron was on his way, he might very well have taken it. It was a huge contract. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, the very first thing I thought of when it came up was, I bet unless Lou takes the reins and, and they go on and win a title, then Lou keeps the job. Anything short of that, I mean, the years are ticking away on LeBron. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying it's definitely going to be Cal, but it's definitely going to be someone else. He doesn't win a title. Lou doesn't come back next year, in my opinion. No, there's no question about it. They got to win a title, and they got to win a title this year. If you're looking at the landscape of the Eastern Conference, Brian, and I know that you follow follow this very closely, the number two team in the East is the Toronto Raptors, and I don't think many people see them as a legitimate uh, title contender. So I think that uh, the Cavaliers have all but wrapped. I know it's premature to say, and it's early. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. They've all but wrapped up the Eastern Conference berth into the NBA Finals. Yeah, I agree with that. And we all know the NBA is a pecking order where you can't jump uh, as you could sometimes in the NFL from a wild card team into the Eastern or Western Conference Finals. You've got to earn your stripes. Seven-game series. I mean, that that brings out the very best. There's three teams that are one of the three are going to win the title, and I'll put them in this order. And the first one's going to surprise you. The San Antonio Spurs. Wow. Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. But clearly, in my opinion, the first two are the dominant teams. So I would put the Cavs as the third choice, and I would put it maybe at about 25 or 30% that 
chance that they win it. I know they've got the best player on the planet, uh, but he's not as dominant as he was last year, and he's not going to be as dominant next year as he is this year. The clock is just, I mean, just wide open on LeBron running. We've all seen what cliff they come off of. Just look at LeBron, uh, I'm sorry, Kobe, and look at some of these guys. I mean, with the physical style game that LeBron plays, he cannot continue to do that. They are manages, managing his minutes much better uh, than they have in the past, but uh, very interesting deal with Lou. He's really under the gun, and uh, uh, I'm not saying it's going to be Cal, but I do not think next year Lou opens the season as the Cavs coach. LeBron James is 31 years old. Doesn't sound you know, ancient in the terms of, of NBA stardom, but when you take into consideration, he was one of those... Uh, one of the last years that you're able to jump straight from high school into the NBA, he's got a lot of miles on those 31-year-old legs and a lot of pounds. I mean, he's a big yeah. guy. Now, he did lose a lot of weight last year, remember? And a lot of people said That's he right. that. He did that to you know, lengthen his career, uh, which was a great move for him to do. It did take a little bit out of him physically. He didn't look as dominating early, so he's come back from that. But that was clearly a move to extend his career and uh, – you know, on a local note, my Pacers have really plateaued, and they've really uh, starting to uh, tread water. They just can't win close games. They've been they've done very well. They they've taken I think they've lost five or six fourth quarter leads in the last uh, half dozen games or so. Uh, so uh, they got trouble there in the Indiana. Brian, Indianapolis. Uh, so, someone I will ask you about is the team the Pacers fell to last night. Now we just, <laughs> with that being said, we just uh, excluded any potential Cinderella runs, especially in the Western Conference with the Warriors or the Spurs. But with that being said, Brian, the Sacramento Kings are currently slated as the number eight seed in the Western Conference playoffs. They beat the Pacers last night. DeMarcus Cousins had 48 points. Rajon Rondo had a triple-double. Are they the type team who possibly could pull off a Dikembe Mutombo-esque type run and and make some noise in the playoffs? No. You think they're going to beat either the Warriors? No, I, I, or the I don't. Yeah, that's who they're going to play, unless they can get up to the sixth spot. If they can get up to the sixth spot, I could see them giving the Thunder or maybe the Clippers, who are currently the third and fourth team, uh, you know, a shot there. I, I agree that they could. They certainly have the talent. And with Rondo playing like that, we all know what kind of beast DeMarcus Cousins is if he can keep his head on straight. Uh, they've got the talent. But but I don't see, I do not see them get if, if they've got to move up and, and it's pretty tightly you know bunched in there so I mean they could move up uh, you know uh, maybe pass they're actually they're they're actually not they're actually in the tenth spot so they're not even in the top eight. My, right my now. listings right here say they're twenty and twenty three and that's the eighth spot in the Western Conference right behind the twenty three and twenty two Houston Rockets. Hmm. Okay. But regardless, they're right in the mix of it, and I just got to believe that, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins is probably the best all-around center in the NBA, right? Uh, uh, wow, I don't know. Um, boy, you know, that's a – I mean, talent-wise, I certainly think. Hey, you know, it's interesting. It looks like the, uh, the Cavs came right out of the gate with Tyrone Lou at home. Lost. Here we go. 83 points Tyrone throws up. Sounds like he might have been playing. Uh, no, I, I tell you what, this is a bust. The, and I tell you the other thing, Kelly, 
is this was poorly handled. The league should be ashamed of themselves the way this happened. It did seem you very know, bizarre. I almost get the feeling they didn't. Isn't there a protocol where you let a coach go, then you have to hire or interview all sorts of different candidates? I don't think they even did any of that. No, this was very poorly handled, and uh, the the golf gods are not going to shine. I'm sorry, golf gods. The NBA basketball gods are not going to shine very well on this. And it, this 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 and last night at home to lose, spit the bit right out of the gate to the Bulls and lose convincingly on your home court turf. Here's our new team. Here's our new coach. Very risky move. And one, I'm for one, not pulling for it to be successful because I think, uh, I, I don't think that it was deserved and I think it was poorly handled and I think it's going to come back and bite them. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, very, uh, yeah, you're right, 20 and 23, so they're barely hanging in there. But the, the uh, I Kings? do not see the Kings. Yeah, the Raptors. Uh, I'm sorry, the the Rockets uh, sit right ahead of them. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But uh, boy, we got some two good football games today, Kelly. What do you? How do you see those unfolding? Golly, those are difficult to pick. I have to go with the Patriots in the AFC. On the road? Yeah, yeah, I do. At uh, Mile High, you think they're going to join the Mile High Club there? I don't know. I've heard that that Brady's pulled off Mile High Club type activity. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have as good a feeling about Peyton Manning. What do you think? You think Manning's got uh, part of the, the Mile Broncos, High Club? I think I'm sure he's he's a charter member. But I, I on the football is that go hand in hand when you're a big time millionaire like that? We can just assume. Is that right? We can just assume yeah, if you're a big time. Uh, yeah, that's a given. That's a given. That's okay. A given. But let's move on. But the Broncos at home, and boy, I tell you what, I'd love to see the Broncos do it. And I'd love to see that. I don't think they're going to get through the Panthers. I think this is the year for Carolina. But one thing I do hope that happens, no matter how this year finishes out, I hope it's the last year for Peyton. Come on, Peyton. Pretty soon, there won't be a helmet big enough to get your head in. So, I mean, come on, man. Wrap it up. It's been a great career. If he comes back next year, I'm going to stop pulling for him. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it, at some point, you've got to, you, you can only help yourself. And he's got to, he's got to, but I think they win today. I think it's going to be tough. I'm not. You think Denver wins? I do think Denver wins today. The money, I read an article this morning on ESPN that said the money is piling in for the Patriots. I mean, just everybody's baiting the pay. But I don't think, I think the key was that the way the Patriots lost that last regular season game and lost home field advantage, it's going to come back and bite them today. And then I do see Carolina convincingly winning today over Arizona. I, I don't think that's going to even be that close a game. Uh, I really see, I, I really think it's going to be a big win for, uh, and Cam, Cam looks like a man of destiny and he looks like uh, he's going to take home all the hardware this year. No question about it. You know, one thing people don't take into consideration, I've seen a lot of comparisons between Carson Palmer and Cam Newton. And don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Carson Palmer in that resurrection style season he's had this year. Legitimate MVP candidate. Uh, but their numbers are very close uh, offensive production-wise until you take into consideration that I think Carson Palmer has one rushing touchdown this year and Cam Newton has 10. That's uh, a big difference. <laughs> that's uh, You're and, right. Very big difference. There are no way, there are no way in this opinion. Uh, Cam's a I, completely I, different level player, oh. especially this year. I mean, Cam's... Uh, oh, I was saying to someone yesterday, Brian, Cam Newton... Already greatest dual threat quarterback in the history of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that's a uh, 
That's that's a big thing. Let's go back to the college games yesterday. Lovely. All right. I tell you what, where does this take Honest? And, and before we get back on Honest, I'm going to say this. I said this while I was watching the game last night. I believe Shinanu, who I think has his, what, fifth double-double in a row. Yep. It looking like the most dominant center Patino's had, better and more dominant than Gorky was. We know they won a title when Gorky was there as a junior. Shinanu has really impressed me. And, and he had four know. assists like uh, last night, which is huge for the Rick-type system. You're right, Brian. I, I really like the way he's – and in he, those foul shots, I don't know. I think he's maybe eight for ten. Uh, I mean, he's hitting his underhanded foul shots. He really – now, the, on, the, on the downside, I really see now I didn't, I didn't believe in it at all during the first part of the year. I do believe he's the first-round draft choice, and will, this will be his last year. So uh, you, you take the good with the bad, and I know Cats fans can certainly – empathize with that you know when you have a great player you only have him for a short period and I I have been thoroughly impressed with the progress and the improvement that Shinanu has made from last year to this year it's been unbelievable and I did not see it coming so I mean it's nice to have a dominant player Mitchell looked good again last night he is really uh he's really playing well you know Spalding's kind of hit or miss uh he gives you a lot of energy when he gets in there but uh, you know, He's good to have. A lot of times, I think, you know, games like last night with Ray Spalding, he only played eight minutes. He, he didn't have a single rebound. He scored two points, had three fouls. But yeah. but when he was in there, you, you see he's got length and he can move well. I mean, he, he's everything that Rick looks for on the press and the defensive sets. I mean, yeah, he's an asset going forward. But, you know, going back to Honest, who really had his breaking out game, I remember a couple weeks ago reading where Rick said that uh, – his old star, and really his number, his first big star at UK that got him going in that program, as everybody knows, was Jamal Mashburn. Great player for the Cats. Great NBA player. One of my favorite NBA players. Jamal told Patino that his favorite player and his guy with the most upside was Honest. And, uh, and, and really, I think the way I read it was kind of telling Patino, wake up, buddy. You need to play him more. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's it doesn't take a rocket scientist if you're if you're like you always say, Brian. If you're from another planet, you come down and you see Honest. He's seven one. Um, he can move so well. He blocks shots. Great passer. And I, I don't think any of this is hyperbole. I mean, he's he's a legitimately good passer. But the problem he's had, Kelly, is he just looks like he's too. And Patino talks about this with his foreign players. They're just almost too good of guys. They don't have that hungriness. You know, they're just not. They're not mean enough. They're not. Uh, they're you, not aggressive enough around the rim. And I did see that he got an inside pass yesterday that he should have really power dunked. And the guy he got a foul and hit both foul shots. They the tech fans thought it was a clean block. It it did not look like a clean block to me. It looked like he got a lot of body on him, but it was close. But uh, he should have power dunked that, which a, a guy like Demarcus Cousins or some of these or Shinano even would have power dunked. So he needs to get stronger, but and meaner. You're moves, saying in meaner and meaner. But some of those moves around the basket with his left hand, uh, I mean, he really, the footwork, it was very impressive. We are, definitely, they don't win that game without him. Oh, no question. He played 27 minutes, four rebounds, two assists, one block shot, 15 points. Um, 
and zero turnovers for Anas Mahmoud last night as he had a, a true coming out party. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW, the best sports talk radio show on the weekends in the city of Louisville, covering all things in the world of sports. We're not regulated by anyone who tells us you can talk about this or you need to be pro that program or this or that or anything like that. We're here on 1450 WXVW. We answer to one man, and that's Dugan Ryan, and he lets us basically talk about whatever sport is the hot topic of the day. Give us a call on the Oxmore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, 502-384-1450. We're going to head to a break. We've got plenty of show action to come. We're on the air today until noon. Be sure to stay tuned. Brian and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. On the air this morning from 9 a.m. until noon. Talking all things in the world of sports. Get at me at Twitter at TheKellyPatrick. Also, give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line. 502-384-1450. Talking college basketball this morning. We know that's what you want to hear about. Give us a call. Get in on the action. We were singing the praises of one honest Mahmoud in the last segment, Brian. Very impressive performance, you know, and he hit his hit both of his foul shots. Uh, it, I mean, they had to make those foul shots. I know Q missed two of them late, but they the ones they had to hit to really win the game, they hit them, and uh, that included the two from Honest, which was huge. I just, I was very impressed. We, I think, any card fan had been hoping that this was the potential that Honest had. And as a 7-1 sophomore that does look like he'll play four years for Louisville, it's exciting because uh, he's got the tools. Uh, he, can, he is slightly built, so every time he goes down, and he did go down and came up holding his knee, I, I didn't know if he was going to be crippled or not. I mean, he does scare you a little bit when he goes down because he is such a beanpole. But, man, oh, man, he has some very nice skills and uh, Go, I'm pulling for the kid. Going forward, Brian, what kind of rotation do you think Rick will use? Do you think Ding Adele factors in anywhere? Um, I w- he played nine guys last night. Jalen Johnson, Anuaku, Snyder, Lewis, Lee, Mahmoud, Spalding, Ding Adele, and Donovan Mitchell. Now, eight of those guys are clear-cut contributors going forward. Do you think Ding Adele is, is someone who, who cracks that rotation? Um. I, uh, I I'd like to think he was. He was he was certainly one of the better ones. Hey, Mike's beeping in. Uh, Kelly, you want to pull him in on the line here? He's come. He, he was yeah. there. I missed him. Okay. Mike, I'm sorry. I just saw that uh, come back to me, and I'll I'll put us back in. I do think he will, but boy, he's not ready yet. He, you know, he really has taken a step backward from that injury. He was, you know, I went went to the red white game, and he had 35 points, and he certainly he looked better than Race Balding in that game. Oh, he looked he looked the second best player in my opinion next to Damian Lee on the team. I mean, 35 or points. Donovan Mitchell. Well, uh, Damian Lee. Oh, is, okay. I'm I'm sorry. I thought you were talking Damian about the Lee, Derby Derby the Classic. I, yeah. No, the one I went to, the Red White game. Gotcha. Uh, both had 35 points and uh I thought I thought he was a very I mean, I thought he was going to be a starter for sure. So, I I hope he rounds back into shape. He he has not looked confident since his injury. But, um, uh, you know, I, I just really like the way – and you got to give Donovan Mitchell minutes 
you know, I thought it was interesting. He got 20 minutes last night. And, uh, but Trey Lewis, when you look at the end of the day, he played better. Uh, he had 12 points and uh, played 36 minutes. Most, well, I take that back. Damian Lee played 38. Another nice performance from Damian Lee. I tell you, it, it, the thing that makes this Louisville team scary, scary good, is those two fifth-year seniors. I mean, you know, if they stay hungry and they play as well as they can play, this Louisville team, I really, I, I think it's the most talent Patino's had. And it's certainly, I wouldn't say it's a great shooting team, but it's, a, it's at least a good shooting team. And we've seen what Patino has done with poor shooting teams. Some of those teams that have went far uh, for, for Patino, I would say were poor shooting teams, both from the foul line and for the perimeter. Oh, so, if uh, Cards fans listening know that before Russ Smith and Luke Hancock emerged, uh, you're right. That has been the characteristic of these these Rick teams is they haven't been able to shoot. Yeah, I agree completely. So, I mean, it's exciting. Uh, going back to the Cats, I think they are improving. They're, they're going to have to prove it on the road uh, when, once they get out of the friendly confines of Rupp Arena, uh, which they're dominant in. They're dominant in. I don't see them losing a game at home again for the rest of this year. And actually, they may not even be challenged. I think Bandy probably was going to be their toughest home game. So, I mean, they're going to they're going to dominate on the road uh, at home. But uh, their challenge is going to be on the road. They answered the call at Arkansas this past week. But uh, they've got some road games coming up. And uh, Cats fans, call in. Let me hear what you're thinking. But uh, I know Cal was happy after the game. He's seeing progress. Uh, is it at the level that uh, Cats fans expect out of this team? I mean, remember, this this team had been ranked number one in the country uh, earlier in the year. You, you know, an interesting topic that we're going to introduce probably next week after the conference uh, championships for the NFL are squared away is the ranking of the head coaches in the SEC, Brian. Believe it or not, they've got a very impressive roster of coaches, at least as far as name recognition goes. Guys like Frank Martin... Um, Rick Rick Barnes, the guy out of UCLA. Ben Halland is in the the SEC. Obviously, Bruce Pearl, Avery Johnson. I mean, if we're talking about ranking the head coaches in the SEC, this could be serve as a little bit of a tease, Brian. Wow, got- it sure got everyone's attention last week when we leapfrog uh, Bruce Pearl uh, into. Hey, we got Mike calling in. Let's get Mike on the line here. See if I know how to do this right. We are the Weekend Sports Host. We're going to head to a quick break here. We'll get everything straightened out. Be sure to stay tuned. Uh, Going forward, we'll be right back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Coming at you from 9 a.m. until noon this morning. Extended version, very action-packed show. We're joined on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line by both Brian the Insider and my man, and my man Mike Gandolfo. Um, we have a new segment debuting today at 10.40 a.m. It's called the Recruiting Buzz, where our recruiting specialist, Mike Gandolfo, uh, provides you with all the updated information regarding high school 
basketball recruiting. If anyone has any questions about the Hoosiers or Cards or Cats, Mike is the man to ask these questions to. How you doing this morning, Mike? I'm doing great, and uh, I just want to let you know that I watched uh, I watched a little boxing last night. It was on Fox. You are right. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that too, Mike. That was good action. I thought it was really good action. I mean, again, you guys are more of the boxing experts than I am, but for a, a normal boxing lay person, I just I enjoyed uh, the the Garcia Guerrero fight last night immensely. I thought it was a really good, you know, went the went the distance, but there was still plenty of action, and um, I thought both guys showed out pretty well. No question about it. Very legitimate. Not only was it aesthetically a great fight to watch, those are two of the best guys in their weight class in the world. I mean, Danny Garcia is actually the number one 147-pounder, and Robert Guerrero is right up there. I mean, hell, he he legitimately had a chance to face Floyd Mayweather, and he did. He lost, but um, those are two very elite fighters you guys watched last night. Glad to hear you saw the fight. Yeah, Yeah, and I had to make the choice. I mean, because you had to make the choice between – Watching the boxing on Fox or the NBA on on ABC, and um, just couldn't you know I can't get into the Bulls or the Cavs this year at all. I think the the Eastern Conference and the NBA is such a step down from what the Western Conference provides. I mean, we saw it earlier in the week where the the Warriors had two guys tying their shoes against the Bulls, and somebody they they one on five and still score. Um, the Bulls look to me like they're in slow motion, and then I can't take LeBron just whining and crying anymore because of whatever else, and he did it again last night. He's such a freaking baby when he was walking off the floor before halftime, slamming the ball uh, because he's only got eight points. You know, he got his coach fired. He got his guy in there now to coach. I just And this I mean, guy's going to plop. Mike, earlier I, I brought up, the, the, the you know, the Cavs made a very serious run at Coach Cal. Uh, before LeBron came back, do you think they circle back for him when Lou uh, can? Which he will. What you? Who will? Lou will. Lou will oh. not be coaching that team at the start of next season. I can. I would that. agree, and I and I think if uh, if there was a team that I was worried about Cal going to in, this, in a certain situation, it would be the Cavs. Um, you know, I think we've talked about it on the show, Cal. I'm not going to say that Cal's never going to the NBA and that he's here forever. I'm not. I'm not that guy. But he's not going to the NBA unless he feels like it's a situation where he can win. And the dysfunction that the Cavs are showing right now, where they should have. I mean, they got three of the best players in the league, and they still can't seem to. There still seems to be something missing. Yeah, well, I tell you what Cal has going for him in the NBA. I've never seen the dynamics of another coach that has this. He has got players. I mean, no coach has had so many players, former players at the college level in the NBA that are coming up for free agency. Now, I don't know what the situation is for the Cavs uh, and how much cap room they have and how much free agency they can take, but Cal, Cal brings the best free agents in the game potentially to your team, so... I don't know. Uh, yeah, he could. So I mean, that is a huge commodity. That can, I mean, nobody's got that much power. I've ever. I can't can't think of another coach uh, that would, that would have that kind of power. Maybe John uh, Wooden. Yeah, but I mean, it was a different NBA back oh, then. Oh, completely different. But he's the only guy you can actually try to compare it to that dominated yeah. the the ranks of the NBA uh, to any degree. And you also got to consider Rajon Rondo and Cal are buddies. I mean, everybody loves Cal, especially if you're affiliated with the University of Kentucky. Or I mean, look at Derrick Rose. He's everywhere. Yeah, 
No, I, I that's uh, but I don't know where the Cavs stand. I know when the Nets were looking at him and still are that they've got they could flip the roster immediately. And you got to think I don't know what Anthony Davis's long term prospects are, but this has been a very disappointing year, not only for the Pelicans but for Anthony Davis. Uh, well, he's know, already ever, signed up, though. I mean, he's he's, he's committed. Gone. Okay. Yeah, he signed his contract extension last year, and I mean, he's getting ready to get paid like twenty eight million dollars a year. Uh, so he's locked up to to stay in New Orleans for a long time. Um, Cousins isn't. I think Cousins could uh, easily move around uh, there. And, and co- of course, we all know God's just. I watched the NBA a little bit this week. Devon Booker looked great. I know Trey Lyles playing good. Archie I mean, Goodwin last night actually played really yeah. good. Yeah, well. game winning shot, didn't he? What's that? Yeah, I think he did. So well, that's interesting to see how that plays out. But I tell you what, the karma. Firing your coach like the Cavs did, nobody, unless you're a Cavs fan or a LeBron fan, is pulling for that situation to work out. And I just think it's a black eye for the NBA, the way that was poorly handled. And I know he's not a blue-blood uh, NBA guy. He was came over from overseas, Blatt, but, man, he didn't deserve to be treated like that. And I think that's very poor, and I think that's poor leadership from the top of the NBA. Well, I just overall, I feel like – Anybody who wants to put LeBron in the conversation with Jordan does not understand the intangibles of the game. And yes, LeBron is huge and he's athletic, but from a basketball IQ standpoint and from a just intangible, want-to-win, competitive standpoint, I, I don't see him even in the same ballpark with Michael Jordan. Yeah, now you've got to really question his credibility, saying he didn't get Blatt fired. Well, if he didn't get Blatt fired... Where's the outrage and the anger that he just fought, that they just fired his coach without his input? So I mean, and we got, somebody's and lying. They got his guy. I mean, obviously, he yeah. lose who he wanted all along. So I mean, to lie and say he didn't get him fired, yeah, you did. The thirty and eleven. Now they're thirty and twelve after getting blown out at home by the Bulls last night. So I mean, just uh, I look for that to blow up in their face, and uh, glad to see it. Yeah, the only thing that I'm even remotely interested in the Eastern Conference is right now to see if uh, if the Knicks are able to get into the playoffs. And um, but beyond that, I just feel I like watched watching the last night. Golly, Carmella, when when's when's the party up with that ball hog? I mean, well, I'll that tell you guy's what, the though, To me, it seems like he's been a little bit more of a better teammate since Christoph Porzingis has been there, and that uh, Porzingis is kind of. Uh, balanced him out quite a bit for the better, and when they're both healthy, we've seen um, we've seen the Knicks play pretty well. I, I just feel like uh, right now they're both battling injuries, and uh, and beyond that, there's just nothing really there. But right if now. they weren't the Knicks, we wouldn't be talking about them. I mean, they're a very very average team. Uh, I like the the dynamics of my Pacers better than I do the Knicks. And uh, well, you got a question. I, okay. and, and no thanks for 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 uh, Carmelo for me. I don't. I wouldn't want him anywhere around my franchise. Would you take him uh, on the Louisville Cardinals right now? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. That's Honestly. what I was fishing for. Oxmoor no. Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. Brian says he would not take Carmelo on the Louisville Cardinals. Give us a call. <laughs> I don't see any minutes for him. <laughs> if we were allowed to have two balls, I would take him. <laughs> Until they change that rule and they say there's two balls out on the court because one's going to be in his hand the whole time or in the air just leaving his fingers. How about yeah. a Nas last night? I know you all have been talking about it, but he was uh, – I mean, I turned off the Kentucky game 
probably midway through the second half to watch the Louisville game because the Louisville game was a much better game to to watch. The Kentucky just looked really dominant last night for the first time, even though Scal didn't play well. But Anas getting it done, uh, just incredible. Last yeah, time. I mean, his, his footwork yeah. was amazing. You know, and, and to listen to Patino, all he still taught, he said this week that, that Mott's Stockman is the heir apparent next year starting center. Uh, and he didn't even really get in the game. So, I mean, you he, had, know, he had no minutes. No, he didn't play. So, golly, I don't know. I, you know, it's a good problem to have. We got Mango coming back. Uh, from injury, I guess, uh, in another couple weeks still. And he's still got another year of eligibility too, Mango. So the, the cards are stacked at the, at, the, at the four and five position. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just a matter of putting the right combination in at the right time. So what was the, what do you think? Uh, do you think it was just the road scenario? Or, I mean, really, you got decent game. You got a great game out of Nas, a decent game out of Shinanu. Damian Lee and Trey Lewis both had double digits. Donovan had double digits. What What do you think was the, the deciding factor that kept Georgia Tech in that ball game last uh, night? Eighty five hundred crazy fans. It is tough to win on the road. Uh, I, I t- I'll tell you this. I don't. I don't know that the Cats go in there and win last night. I mean, that's that's a. Well, they, they played. I think a very similar environment, if not a tougher environment, over the week with Arkansas. Um, yeah, but I don't think that Arkansas team's as good as Georgia Tech. I think that might be somewhat debatable, but because uh, I don't think they're certainly G- playing a better. They certainly play better. I mean, you can nowhere put the SEC and the ACC anywhere in the same. You know, and I've said this for years, and I don't think it's you know. Look at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was supposed to be you know everyone talked about you, including you, Mike, how great Vanderbilt was going to be this year. They're, they they are a very average team at best. Right. And well, I mean, finished with a sub five hundred record for the year. The Clemson team that's lighting up the ACC on fire, I believe, has three SEC losses. So, um, wow, early, early, early though. They're three SEC losses. We're early. <laughs> so, I would say that that Arkansas, Georgia Tech, I don't know where they're ranked, like in the Ken Palm, how close they are, but I would say that they've got to be. I mean, Arkansas, as you well know, has been one of the toughest places to play in all of college basketball. Um, Going back to the Nolan Richardson day. But not yeah, but they, that's, that place still gets pretty raucous. I mean, yeah, that's because they're crazy that's, fans, just like their football games do too. I mean, but uh, by the way, Arkansas is fifty nine and Georgia Tech sixty two in the uh, in the Kimpom. In Arkansas, I know almost all their wins have come at home, and they've almost all their losses have come on the road. I think they've got, I think they've only got two home losses, and then the um, so according to Kimbom, they're at least in the uh, conversation okay. being. Right there. Sorry to I mean, interrupt you guys. I, I agree with the, you know, it's a legitimate debate to have who's tougher, uh, SEC versus ACC. I guess probably no, not. Mike, no, no, it's okay. I, I didn't mean to present it like that. I didn't mean to say it like that. But the Big 12 is probably the most difficult conference out there this year. I disagree uh, with uh, The Big 12 is really strong, um, although I just feel like, I feel like Kansas has got a lot of holes. I think you do too, Brian. Yes, I do. And I'm not, a, I'm not although they did have a nice – Road win last night, o- Oklahoma. I'm not. I, I feel the same way I do about them as I did in football, and, and it played out that way. Oklahoma should have never been in the uh, playoff situation, and uh, you know, especially in Mike. I think you agreed with me on their Texas loss. I feel the same way about their basketball thing, and I, I want to say this, and this is in support of the catch too. I still think this year's N- NCAA men's tournament runs through the state of Kentucky. And I think you're going to see both Kentucky and Louisville advance very far in this year's tournament. 
further well, than a lot of these Big 12 teams everybody's hyped up about. I'm pleased with the week we got out of the Cats as far as at least going in the right direction. I think they got two really good quality wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know that was that was Cal's first ever win at Arkansas. Wow. Um, as the Kentucky head coach at least. What so um I, I feel overall like they're moving in the right direction, even though Scal has not shown any kind of consistency whatsoever. He played great against Arkansas, did not show up at all against Vanderbilt. But Derek Willis being the guy that is showing to be the guy who's who's locking down the inside game for Kentucky and leading them in rebounding in the last three games. And if you watch Kentucky, it's not like he just goes up and gets easy rebounds. There was one time where he was on the wing and the ball goes off the rim, and he's in, he finds himself in the middle of the lane where four other Kentucky players were, and he comes down with the rebound. He's getting difficult offensive rebounds. I just can't even the, – the, the fire – now, he doesn't look overly athletic when he does it, but he's getting the job done, and Derek Willis has uh, really been the spark for the Cats here recently. Yeah, and everybody loves it. I mean, he's a nice kid to like, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a good story. And he's got three point. He's a stretch. What what do you call him? A stretch four, I guess. Uh, so uh, stretch three. So he, you know he's got great range. And uh, but Eulis, as I said in the first hour, Eulis is the best point college point. In my opinion, the best college point guard. And I know the truth will call in and give me some Yogi stuff. And truth, congratulations, your Hoosiers have been playing much better, blowing teams out. But there's another conference that I think is very suspect, and that schedule is very suspect. Uh, so I know the Hoosiers got to go they've won to tw- Wisconsin. Yeah, they've won 12 in a row. Yeah. They still haven't played Maryland or, yeah. Mich- or Michigan State. And, well, that uh, was a big win for Michigan State yesterday over huge. Maryland. Because I that? think Maryland's a legit top four team. I so. do, too. I agree with that. Uh, Dan Dockage, by the way, doesn't agree with about Tyler Ulysses, and that's been an interesting thing all week. If you've been what a bum he is. What a bum Dan Dockage is. I tell you what, uh, he, he, both – Louisville and Kentucky ought to bar him from his games, put him on the Bobby Knight list. And I know we got to go to, to the top of the hour break, but then on the other side, you know, I, I believe it was uh, was a Goodman or somebody that's talking about how Louisville's not any good and they can't take him seriously until they get a quality win. Yeah. So, good uh, I tell you what, this Cardinal team, in my opinion, is the is got the most talent that Patino's had in his 15 years. We've seen Patino's won a title. I think this team's got more talent than that team, Mike. And uh, I think this team, now that doesn't guarantee anything. I mean, and certainly the Cats fans know that. Uh, you know, all the talent in the world doesn't guarantee it, even a Final Four. But uh, I really like this Cardinal team. Yeah, I think they got the potential. I mean, the pieces are starting to come together for them, and they're starting to play defense. I think that's the thing that you're, uh, that you're really starting to see. I think um, I still feel like overall – Offensive nights like last night can come back and get them in the, and bite them in the butt. I think they could, their offense can come a little bit, and they can't be so centric on just on just Damian Lee. So, uh, but you're seeing you're seeing Donovan come along, and I think that's going to be the difference there. You know, it was Donovan gets more and more of the the bulk of the uh, offense. What about that dunk he had midweek? Oh God, I, I texted him. Like- I texted him and said, "I think you broke the internet last night," and so he's. Man. You know, he's just a great kid and just enjoying him. Dan Dockich, let's let's throw shade at Dan Dockich all we want. He said that reminded him of Vince Carter. Who yep. cares what that that guy's a bum. I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you that guy fires me up when I hear him talking about the cats and the cards. And I really was upset with the cheap shots he took uh when he did the cards game earlier. Dan Dockich is a bum. 
And uh, I tell you what, I'd love to run into him in the airport. He's I mean, a big I, guy. He, he's I an could, athlete, Brian. He'll fall, he'll fall quick, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. We appreciate everybody tuning in here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Be sure to stay tuned. Mike, Brian, and I will be back with more of the we- Weekend Sports Buzz. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW, talking all things in the world of sports. We're on the air today until noon, ready to take your calls on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. We are now joined in studio by one, only, the lovely Ashley Miller. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm doing wonderful on this freezing not so snowy, but snow on the ground Sunday. Everybody survived their snowmageddon, I guess. <laughs> Clearly, we're here, except for you. I mean, you might be, I don't know, in, a, in an igloo or somewhere. No, I'm sitting in my office. Oh. But, yeah, so we all, uh, it was, I had a lot of family fun times just uh, hanging out with the kids and, you know, not having to do, really having to do anything, which was really nice, so. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a good welcome break, actually, because basically the kids only had one day of school this week. Tuesday, that was it. So, well, that's good. Yeah, we've got NFL Lots. NFL playoffs to talk about. We've got NBA to talk about. Obviously, college basketball. We haven't got Ashley's input. Ashley, did you catch the the Cards' solid victory yesterday? I did. I wouldn't. I I, I hesitate from calling it solid, and I guess you'll see when my. Uh... Yeah, I was a little hesitant there, obviously, too. I, I didn't say big victory. No, I um, I it, wrote about this for my like weekly roundup. It comes out, I think, tomorrow. But um, the things that bothered me, I, I'm very happy that we got a road, a road win in the ACC. That's, that's no small victory. So definitely kudos there um, because there, there's no off weeks in the ACC, period. And I think that we've learned that the hard way this season and last season as well. But uh, there was a couple of things, three things in particularly, um, that stood out in a negative way. And then, so the first thing is um, we don't box out. (laughs) And um, this is something that was glaring um, in the game versus UK. And I think I've mentioned it a couple of times that um, that's just unacceptable. So, especially on that free throw line. I especially mean, not from the free throw line. That's absolutely unacceptable. You're basically given the perfect position to to box out and get a defensive rebound, and you don't. And to me, that's all effort, hustle, and heart. So, well, and then they were in the situation where the guy should not have been shooting free throws in the first ball. place. Yeah. <laughs> and but the game was still at a very pivotal point, and the ball didn't lie. The kid missed both of his free throws. And it wasn't even like it was a difficult rebound. I mean, it's re- all you have to do is put your butt on someone's hip and, and put it. your hands up. Yeah, and that was uh, that was that was an inexcusable part of that uh, of that game too. I agree with with Ashley on that side. It was it was. Uh, I mean, he basically just got moved out of the way, and the the guy behind him wanted it more. And that's and you know as well as I do because you're one of the best rebounders ever at Berea College. You got to rebounds ninety percent will and want to. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that was the one thing that irked me. The second one was we missed entirely too many layups, like way too many layups. Um, and so this is coming from a person who makes 
my sixth graders run for every miss layup that they that they every layup that they miss in practice in a game they they owe me a, a down and back for it why because it's all concentration and focus when you get around the basket unless you get fouled but like nanu um Mang, mango's obviously not there but not playing right now but anybody mots anybody like um my mood um all of race balding race balding um, even I think Donovan missed a layup. Jalen Johnson. Any of those guys should not miss a layup unless you are getting fouled and your oh, arms okay. being pulled out of the air. You should not miss a layup. So you're saying is that this Louisville team, while impressive right now, getting some national recognition, there's some fundamental problems and holes with the team. Yeah, and that, and then the third thing that bothered me is I watched the offense um, as well, and I noticed, and this happens um, for other teams too, but. It just gets on my nerves. Um, they don't when when they're running an offense where screens are required. They don't screen anybody. They're screening air, and, and I'm like, if you're not going to find the person to screen, what's the point? Like you're wasting energy and you're making it really hard on the ball handlers to get an open shot. So just go post up and get out of the way. So that bothered me. Um, but the highlight of that game was my boy who I've been raving about since last year, obviously. Um, Anas Mahmood has the best game of his career so far. Now, he also missed like four layups in the first be- in the beginning yeah. of the game, um, and I definitely am not giving him a pass on that. Um, but once he got comfortable, I it was nice to see him um, making some really amazing moves to the basket with his back to the basket and being able to finish with both hands. So that was very impressive. Um, Mike, I did see Nanu use a few post moves yesterday, so I almost retracted my statement. And he's turned into a really good <laughs> passer, too. Actually. He has, yeah. Nanu's yeah. always been a good passer. I, I think that was one of his strong points of his game, even coming out of high school. I mean, was one of the things is he was a willing passing big man, which a lot of big men, because... You, you have to be in Rick's system, actually. You have to be, yeah. But I think the other thing that I actually agree with, as much as the post game has gone away... This other thing that's gone away is guards don't know how to feed the post either. So usually when post players get it, they become like, okay, I got it. I'm going up with it. So uh, that's always been a strong suit, I think, of what Nanu does. Yeah, so I was really happy uh, to see the moves. I I would venture to say, um, and I still don't think my mood is ready. I still think he's a year away from giving us what he really is capable of. Um, cause he needs to get stronger. Period. Like just physically, he has to be stronger. He may still need another ten or fifteen more pounds on him. Um, but I think that from a footwork standpoint and from a length standpoint, he probably has like the. I think he has the best feet of all the post players that we have. To in terms of being able to make legitimate post moves and his length like being able to finish like on the other side of the basket from where he started and just reach up over defenders was really um really impressive it was a nice highlight of the game for me amongst all the other stuff I just griped about I would I'd go further I think he's got some of the best footwork and touch around the basket out of any big man in the country um you know it's hard to find anybody out there really who does it as well as he does I agree with you. And I, th- I think, too, like kind of what we were talking about, because there are so few 
big guys that can make those types of moves and be that effective around the basket, especially using both hands. Like, if he's able to get stronger, um, he's going to be – he's going to really increase his draft stock, number one, but he's really going to be hard to guard in, in college basketball because most, like, most of the guys aren't used to facing a guy that can really put the moves on him with his back to the back. And uses both hands so well, like yeah. you said. I mean, yeah. you're right. Anas has, has a very high ceiling, very uh, legitimate reason for optimism within the Louisville program, knowing that he'll be here this year and next. Well, and, and speaking of that, and probably I, I don't want to take, probably for, I don't want to <laughs> take Don, I don't want to take away Ashley's thunder, which they were all really good points. Rick made the comment this week that Donovan was going to be a four year player. Um, do you feel like that's realistic to keep that he's going to be there four years or do you feel like he's probably I mean I to me I, I see it where this year we've seen it's obviously Damian Lee's team as far as scoring goes and being the focal point of the offense but you can see where it's starting to transition where next year it's going to be Donovan's offense you know as far as the focal point and if he has two good years as the focal point of the offense, with his athleticism, even though he's a little undersized for his position, um, could you all see him stay, stick around three years or four years? I, I, I guess I've always thought that he was going to be at least a three-year player, and not I not that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that he's. I don't think it's not because he's good, not good enough. I think that he's plenty good enough. I think he's plenty strong enough. Um, I think he's a little small, like in terms of height-wise, right. um, for NBA. So I think that he's going to have to do a little more proving of himself. And also looking back and seeing like somebody like Terry Rozier is in the D League right now. Like I think I and I was definitely one that said he needed another year. So I think um, I don't I don't see him being coming out after his sophomore year because I don't think. Although I think he's really good, I don't think he's consistently good enough. He's yet. not a point guard now. Yeah, yeah, and he and may six, have to transition. He's going to have to right. transition to more of a ball handling type of role. Um, so I would say his junior year. I think that would be like he has an amazing sophomore year or a really good sophomore year, an amazing junior year. He could leave then, but um, that's not really shocking to me. Yeah, because I think overall, I mean, to me, it's like he's got to get more consistent with his. With his outside game, um, but obviously he's as athletic as anybody in the country, and the dunk he had, which didn't even make the SEC, the Sports Center top ten, which is ridiculous. But that's the, crazy. The dunk he had this week was one of the best dunks you're ever going to see. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And what so, I lo- what I also love, I follow like some of the players on social media just to see what kind of stuff they post. And what I liked um, was Trey Lewis posted a picture of that dunk. Um, on his Instagram and was basically, you know, lifting up his teammate. And I like that, especially considering he started in his position and Trey Lewis clearly was able to play. Um, so I, I like to see – I like to seeing that because I do think this team genuinely likes each other. They seem like they have a pretty good chemistry. And I think that's something um, people don't pay a lot of attention to at this point in the season. But as the season progresses into uh, March and hopefully early April, you know, those things are really important because them guys play for each other, they cheer for each other, lift each other up when crappy things happen. So, yeah. Do you think? Do you feel like Donovan? See, to me, I think Rick has made the decision that Trey is not a two guard and he needs to be the backup for Quentin 
at the point guard and that Donovan's more of a true two than uh, than Trey Lewis is. Yeah, uh, but I'm still I'm not I'm you all know this, I'm not a Quentin Snyder fan. I think on the on the court. I think this, off the this, court despite th- his recent uh, offensive Yeah, because he was non existent yesterday. Yeah, he, yeah was. he was yesterday. So he was. And, and I think that he has a tendency to disappear in games when they're tough or against guards that are um, fast and athletic because he's just not. Like, he has good um, skill offensively, but in terms of defense, he's a liability out there. If he's not putting up 15 to, 15 to 20 points on offense, he's a liability because he can't keep up with those guys on defense. And although, yeah, he's lost weight, and I think he's faster this year than he has been, he just doesn't have the foot speed. So um, I struggle. I struggle with having him in the starting lineup. Period. And if I had my, if I had my way, in a perfect world, I'd start Trey Lewis as the one. I'd start um, Donovan as a two, um, Lee as a three, Jalen Johnson, and Nanu. Okay, well, since we're talking starting lineup, and sorry that we're continuing to give so much time to the Louisville Cardinals, Mike. Sorry, um, not sorry. <laughs> does Jalen Johnson deserve to be the starting four? I mean, who, who not else? Not the way he played yesterday. What did you say? Not the way he played yesterday. Exactly, yeah. Is Anas Mahmoud, and does it even matter who's in the starting lineup, but I mean, uh, Anas played 27 minutes yesterday off the bench. Jalen Johnson only played 15 um, is Jalen Johnson, since we're evaluating the progression of these Cardinal players, I think we can all agree Donovan Mitchell's putting together a heck of a, a freshman campaign, and he is just efficiency and intensity all across the board. I mean, he's averaging a steal a game, four rebounds, two assists, eight points, shooting very good field goal percentage, everything like that. What about the progression of Jalen Johnson? He looks physically very large when he's out there. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's interesting with Jalen Johnson because sometimes he looks really solid. Sometimes he looks like he did yesterday. Yeah. He's inconsistent. And and I think even if you're looking at Mahmoud as a, as a potential to play the four, let's I, not overlook his craziness from the beginning of the season. Mahmoud like does, is inconsistent also. He And even the, is a tale of two halves. If you think about how he played in the first half yesterday versus how he played in the second, like he has the potential to do the same thing. So I think it's going to come down to and, – and Jalen Johnson is physically stronger than Mahmoud is. He's not as, as big and as long. But, um, but Jalen Johnson's a legitimate 6'9". He's a big guy. Yeah, he's still a big he's guy. He's a big guy. So, he's long tight. So, I mean – I honestly think it's going to have – it's going – the decision has to be based upon the matchup, like who we're playing, because against guys that are seven foot or, you know, six, eleven, seven foot and above, I think my mood is the better guy. If if you, you've got somebody that's like the kid yesterday that was, what, 6'8", 260 or mm-hmm. something? Yeah, if you need a banger – and not smart he's move not is not your, not your guy. No, he's going to take his chest out. Like okay, you're like right. I did a couple times. So it's a, it's a match so. a situational matchup decision as to who gets the more minutes, uh, Mahmoud or, or Jalen Johnson. Go I on. like how you say that. Say it again. Mahmoud. <laughs> That's how you say it, right, yeah, Mike? I, yeah, I think so. Mike? I think that is what it is, yeah. The uh, the, the the real thing to me, though, and where Jalen's got to figure it out is, and it goes to Ashley's point earlier, Jalen's out there to be – a bruiser rebounder, and if he figures out what he needs to do on the defensive and rebounding edge, then that that's the guy who's going to play. Because right now you got to go with Honest because he's a more consistent offensive player. Um, and if Jalen's not giving you the 
what you need on the defensive end and on the rebounding side, then it doesn't really matter. No question about it. The cool thing about this Louisville team is when they put together games like they did yesterday, and Ashley, I know we can poke holes in it. Damian Lee had two turnovers. Nobody had more than two turnovers. They only I had, had six as a team. I'm sorry? They only had six as a team. Yeah, only six turnovers as a team, whereas Georgia Tech had 11. Still not the most turnovers in the world, but I think this is a good offensive team, and that's not surprising being that you have two specifically prolific offensive producers as fifth-year transfers. Uh, but I, I think it's contagious when you have shooting and you have uh, Trey Lewis and Damian Lee, whether it be Anas Mahmoud or uh, Quentin Snyder. You're going to see random guys, and not random guys, but uh, different members of the team step, step up offensively in large part because Snyder, I'm sorry, because Lewis and Lee can shoot. you, you got to guard them. You, other guys get open shots. Yeah, that's true, and um, I think the thing, the other thing that I like about, yes, there's a lot of different offensive weapons on this team um, and shooters, and I'm sure like all Cardinal fans are really happy to see that after the offensive struggles of last year's team. Um, but what, and I hate to like harp on the camaraderie of this team, but it was really refreshing to watch Jalen Johnson and all those other guys on the bench going crazy for Mahmoud. Um, as he's, you know, having the game of his life. But to see Mahmoud on the court with a stone face like a killer, I love that too. All right. He doesn't show a lot of emotion. He doesn't at all. Like every now and then you'll catch a giggle. Like I watched, um, I was at the game where he was the one on the, the Name That Tune thing on the Jumbotron at halftime. And so he's, like, listening to music. Have you all seen this before? No, I haven't. Okay, Okay, so they basically, like, will take a player and put them on headphones on, and they'll, like, be listening to some song. They're supposed to, like, say the name of it if they know. And it's kind of random. It'll be, like, pop songs. It might be a Katy Perry. It might be The Weeknd. It might be something from the 1970s. And what's funny is that sometimes they're like, I know the song. I don't know the name. So they'll sing along. They'll dance something like that, and then uh, they'll go on to the next one. But my mood was on there, and, and he was kind of, you know, kind of chilling at first, and then you'd catch a giggle, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, I know this one. Uh, yeah, so it was cute to see his personality because, like you say, he doesn't show a lot of emotion, Mike, but um, he did. He definitely cracked a few smiles in there every now and then. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited about him. He's, he's definitely one of my favorites, has always been one of my favorites, so. It'll be great to watch him develop. Without question. Let's also talk, not forget, though, too. I think as, as you know, yesterday was a road win for the Cardinals. The, oh, yeah. The oh, Mike, win. before before we go there, I'm sorry. My last thing is the most exciting thing for me about my mood is he came off the court. He was coming off the court in a timeout. The coach he walked straight to, which tells me the person that's working with him the most David Page. David Page. Of course. And you all know that he is my all-time top two favorite Cardinals of all Which time. Is a rules violation because David Pageant's not allowed to be on the court coaching, but that's okay. But um, whatever. He's <laughs> taking stats, but he had some advice. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's one of the things that excites me the most, and hopefully he has a Gorgie-like summer. But go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. I was gonna talk about the the impressive thing thing for me this week was Louisville's dominating win over Florida State, which ended up only being 19, but if anybody watched the game, it was much more lopsided than 19 points, and that is a 
pretty good Florida State team, who I believe was picked ahead of Louisville at the uh, preseason ACC polls. Yeah, I think they were. I think you're right. And I mean, this is a this is a team. Now they didn't have Xavier Rath and Mace, and uh, so I'm going to check on that. But the but overall, the, the Dwayne Bacon's a talented player. Terrence, Terrence Mann's a talented player. Uh, Malik Beasley, talented player. All three guys that we considered for the Derby Classic. Actually, we would have taken Bacon, uh, but he was a uh, McDonald's All-American and played in the Jordan game. And then, uh, so you got a guy, you got this Florida State roster, at least from the guard standpoint, which is really, really good. And Louisville just completely handled their business against Florida State. I mean, that was as dominant of a win as you're going to see. Yeah, I that was a good win. So, and I definitely, I totally did not even go there because I was so irritated with them yesterday. But yeah, I think I think you're right. It was definitely a very impressive win, and something that I think um, was a good bounce back from the week before. Um, Louisville needed that really, really, really badly, and um, I like to see them sitting at third in the ACC. And I'm really excited slash nervous about the next two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you got some big games coming up. I know the uh, um, yeah the, UNC coming up, right? And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, on the first, we've got Virginia Tech this week and Virginia. Virginia Tech on the road, Virginia at home, and then uh, February first is North Carolina. Yep. Well, you got really you get past Virginia Tech, you got a four game stretch where it's Virginia Tech, North Carolina, then you got Boston College at home, which is no big deal, and then but then Duke, and then even after that, you got Notre Dame. Followed by Syracuse and another game by Duke and then Pitt. I mean, it gets it starts going, it starts getting really serious for Louisville. So it's there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this February and especially with the committee looking so closely at what happens in your last ten games of the season, mm-hmm. with Louisville having that difficult of a stretch to, for for their last ten games because you still have Miami in there. You got Virginia. You got another game with Georgia Tech. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough stretch in February for Louisville, without a doubt. So yeah, so hopefully we'll see. Well, I guess we'll see soon if my prediction, my preseason prediction, was correct or not. Um, I don't know if you all saw this or not. In my first um, weekly roundup, they asked us to make like predictions on the season. I said that this team would go into ACC with eight loss ACC tournament with eight losses or less. So I still have a cushion right now and hope. <laughs> Hoping not to hit like a brick wall in the next week or two, but um, we'll see. See how I do. Uh, it's really interesting to me too how the this week has kind of mirrored the Kentucky. How Kentucky and Louisville kind of mirrored each other because I think Kentucky had a really solid uh, home win against Vanderbilt where they looked really strong, and and Vanderbilt and Florida State season has kind of mirrored themselves a little bit, and then uh, and then they both Kentucky and uh, Louisville went to play hostile road games. They were just flip-flopped. Kentucky's was first. Kentucky went to Arkansas and pulled away what was a really pivotal win for the Cats who have been struggling on the road. And um, so I was really excited to just to see how Kentucky's played this week, um, even though we're still getting inconsistent play out of scale. Uh, but it, when you've got guys like Tyler Ulis and Derek Willis who are really starting to be the core of that team and they're hopefully starting to find somewhat of an identity and uh, they can kind of figure it out and go on a nice little run to end the year. So, uh, but yeah, that was that was my biggest takeaway was that I thought Kentucky had two games this week that they could have easily lost, and they won both of them fairly um, impressively. And uh, that that hopefully means that they're moving in the right direction. I want to remind our listeners we got a couple very hot segments coming up. Ten forty, we have a new segment called the Recruiting Buzz. 
by yours truly, Mike Gandolfo. Every week he's going to give our listeners an opportunity to not only get an update on any of the significant tidbits in the world of basketball, high school men's basketball recruiting, and if there's anything with women's, we'd love to hear about that also. Um, right? Don't put me on the spot there, Kel. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm just saying we, it's not going to be real extravagant. But if any of our listeners have any questions about any of the, anything that's going on in the world of college basketball recruiting, please give us a call. 1040 this morning, we have our, our new segment. We also have the 11 o'clock hour segment of Ashley's Loco Cinco, as always. So be sure to stay tuned. Uh, for both of those segments we have coming up here shortly. Are we selling Indiana short? They're on a 12-game winning streak, Mike. They obviously are beating teams like yesterday they beat Northwestern. Um, but 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 do these Hoosiers deserve more credit than we're giving them? I apologize. I freaking hate how they just start playing videos when you're on the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the You know, IU... It's tough to figure out because I still feel like they've got they've obviously got a very talented backcourt, but James Blackman has not been part of that backcourt since IU started looking good. And so the big talk around IU right now is it is it addition by subtraction not having the McDonald's All American James Blackman on the floor, and um, they they've looked pretty impressive. And what's helped, I think, where they've seen the biggest dramatic increase with Blackman on the floor has been on the defensive end. They've been, they haven't, don't get me wrong, they're still not a great defensive team by any means, but they've been better um, with Blackman not playing. And, uh, you know, they've gotten some, you know, they, they beat Ohio State by 25, and that's something Kentucky obviously couldn't do. And, uh, and I do think Ohio State's better, and I think they beat a pretty good Notre Dame team. I mean, I think Notre Dame has got the potential, I mean, to be a, a middle-of-the-road ACC team, but, a, you know, a 7-8 seed. Uh, so it's not like I think that they're beating nobodies. I mean, they knocked off Wisconsin, um, uh, and they, you know, everyone's beating Richard in Minnesota. That That's just a train wreck right now. But uh, you'll see any way that he's there next year? I do. Yeah, I think that Minnesota's one of those schools that has pretty low – uh, the opposite of Kentucky basketball, and that they're not going to fire you immediately. I mean, they well, they did, they did end up getting rid of Tubby where they probably shouldn't have. Right. I mean, Rude. um, what'd you say, Ash? Rude. Yeah, you, getting rid of Tubby. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was ridiculous to get rid of Tubby, especially if you're going to hire Billy. a fairly unproven head coach. Fairly I mean, unproven. He had a little bit of success at Florida Atlantic. Did I mean, he? Florida yeah. International. Florida. Florida International or Florida Atlantic? Florida International. Florida International. Yeah. Like you turn that team around, I think they were the last place team in the conference, and they, then they won their conference, or they were in the conference championship or something. I mean, he had, they had a pretty good turnaround. But that's not enough normally, unless your name's Rick Pitino, to warrant a Big Ten job. I mean, right. if his name was uh, Joe uh, Thomas or, you know, I mean, some, something other than Richard Pitino, there's no chance in hell. I mean, maybe he would have gotten an assistant job at Minnesota. And I would say the same thing's true as far as him keeping his job. I don't think there's any way he keeps his job past this year unless his name was Richard Pertino. I think, Yeah, I think he does keep his job past this year. But you're right. He, they're, they're really stinking it up. And you got to wonder how long the leash really is uh, there in Minnesota. I mean, the, the so, Min- Minnesota fans have to be happy with Teddy Bridgewater and Gorgie Jang. All the gifts we've given to them. <laughs> but they're probably feeling a little slighted with us giving them Richard Pertino. <laughs> 
<laughs> so IU's got a n- nice little run coming up where they've got to play Wisconsin next. Um, then they get another game with Minnesota at home, so that should be a win. But then they've got Michigan, um, and, and they're starting. Michigan's starting to play better. Zach Irwin, Zach Irvin, uh, Derby Classic guy, really starting to play well up there. Iowa and Michigan State, but uh, and then they. The weird thing is, is uh, well, they they got to play. They got to finish the year with with a stretch with Iowa and Maryland. You know, is Iowa for real? They got Purdue in there as well too, because Purdue's really good. I don't is, know yet. I'm not. I'm not. A lot of parody out there. I know it's cliche to use that term so much, but uh, yeah, Iowa seems to be uh, the type of team that can put things together and make a uh, some noise in March, right, Mike? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're, so far they've been pretty pretty good. Um, as far as guys on their team, the the best player on their team that I remember from like the recruiting days is there is that senior center Adam Woodbury and he was one of those guys that probably just missed being a part of our thing and um but he was definitely a really good a really good player. Um, he's averaging about 9 points a game, uh 6.6 rebounds, shooting 55% from the field, 82% from the line. So he's having a, a good year for for a, being a big man, 80 Eighty-one point six percent from the free throw line. That's that's right. Well, he's he's seven one two forty five. But the, as far as the rest of guys, I mean, they've got guys that are just you know they're going out there and they're they're getting it done and they're not really highly touted guys and um, you know. But this seems to be the year for those guys who aren't highly touted. I mean, we might see a senior win the Player of the Year, which we haven't seen in a long time. The NBA draft projections are showing seniors and juniors and scattered throughout the lottery. Buddy Heal, which. We haven't seen in a very long time, so um, it'll be overall. It's it's kind of refreshing because this whole season's kind of back to the way basketball used to be. In a way, like yeah, it. it is. I like it a lot. So, could IU be right there? I think they're talented enough to be right there, especially now that OG is starting to play for them and, and doing well. Though he had a concussion uh, last weekend. Um, oh gee, that's the guy that wore the little shorts, right? Right, that's little shorts. <laughs> okay, but he's starting to really play for him. He was good though. Like, I thought he was good. I think I thought um, during the Derby Classic, I thought OG was more impressive to watch than Diamond Stone. Well, and then how about Diamond Stone? I mean, he's he has turned it on. Something maturity wise has clicked with him. It seems like and since April. Uh, uh, well, really, if you, you ever since. Uh, and I got to hand it to Turgeon because I didn't think he had the guts to do something like this. Turgeon benched him, and mm. he hasn't been starting him. And I, ever since he did that, you're starting to see Diamond really kind of to come along and uh, show what he can really do. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's not going to be there next year. Uh, he's still projected as a top 20 pick, but he's not the top five pick that at one time he, he was projected. So, um you know, Maryland can keep playing. They're going to be right up there, I think, with the best. With the best. No question about it. Definitely Maryland. makes for an exciting March. Oh, yeah. Parody, you mean? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's the recipe for it. That's why everybody tunes into March that's Madness. That's why it's March Madness. It is. That's. I mean, it's absolute madness. <laughs> we appreciate everybody tuning in. Be sure to keep in mind. Coming up next, we have the recruiting buzz. The debut of the recruiting buzz at 1040 here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Be sure to stay tuned. We will be right back with the Weekend Sports Buzz.
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Because nothing gets the kids more excited about talking about high school basketball recruiting than Tom Petty. We are debuting our segment of the Recruiting Buzz, where our man Mike Gandolfo gives you a tidbit of news. And I think this week there's no surprise as to what some of that news can be in the world of college basketball recruiting. As Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but this previous week we had the 2016 McDonald's All-American Game roster announced. That's exactly where I was going to start. We also had the Jordan game uh, announce their first 16, which was a gift to us, which I really appreciated. So it allows me to kind of get to work on the uh, on that side of the things. Before, so- we, before we get into specific uh, tidbits of news, I want to encourage our listeners, please give us a call. 502-384-1450 is the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line. If you have any questions at 1040 each week, about uh, your your Cardinals recruits, VJ King, or however many of the Kentucky Wildcats are in the game, um, please let us know. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We got our man, the Truth, on the line, and I know his questions will revolve around the Hoosiers. How you doing this morning, Truth? Oh man, y'all got a good something, crew. I think that's better than college football. High school basketball is the greatest crew. Let's get to it. Tell me about my Hoosiers. Lay it on me to the bottom line to the national championship. <laughs> the national championship? Well, the good thing is, Truth, is that uh, I heard from your future point guard, Curtis Jones, his high school coach, called me this week and asked if he was going to be invited to the Derby Classic. And, of course, we said for sure. So, uh, IU – We'll, uh, we'll definitely be represented in the Derby Classic this, this year, and uh, we're looking, looking forward to it. I mean, right now on the books, uh, they've got four guys. Deron Davis, the center out of Colorado, is probably – well, he is their best overall recruit that they've got coming, on, coming in. A little bit of an undersized big guy, but he's going to be a really good player for IU. Uh, Devontae Green is a, it's a little bit of a reach-up point guard. Uh, the, he's the most recent IU commitment that they've got. And then Curtis Jones <clears throat> is a guy that they've actually got. I think he's more of a combo guard. Um, but could play point guard, could play shooting guard um, out of out of one of the premier basketball programs in the country with Huntington Prep uh, going to Indiana. And then the one guy that's kind of been the reach overall um, is Grant Geelan out of uh, Crown Point, Indiana. And a lot of people were very surprised that Grant got a scholarship offer from IU uh, because I think he had verbalized that he would walk on. Um, and But Tom Crean, when saw him play, the kid had an unbelievable shooting night and went ahead and offered him. And I, the, the story goes that before the uh, commitment could even come out of his mouth, Grant said yes. And uh, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good story because Grant's family is a lifelong IU um, IU fans, and supposedly the dying wish of his grandfather was to see him uh, dressed in those ugly candy stripe pants and <laughs> run up for. So, oh, I know you want a pair. I'm gonna send you a pair. <laughs> well, but yeah, they're probably they're probably done. I mean, I think they could if they got if someone really good fell into the lap, with most likely that being Thon Baker. Um. That, you know, I think they would make room and take someone who was kind of elite like that. But uh, after talking to several people about Thon Maker this weekend uh, and, and seeing him play, I'm going to be very surprised to see if Thon Maker plays college basketball anywhere. 
Um, I think he's probably going to go overseas. He still has not taken the, AC, the ACT or the SAT, and he's been in high school for what seems to be 9, 10, maybe 15 years. 15, so, 15 uh, years. 15-year high school player. Uh, no, All right, he, I got another so, question. Do you see Indiana bringing in another big man? Well, that would be what I'm t- kind of talking about. If they, if they were able to pull somebody like pretty elite like Thon Maker, there's actually a lot of big men left, but Thon Maker is really the only one that they're that they're really in on, and so uh, and they're they're in good shape with Thon. If Thon played, if Thon plays college basketball, seeing him end up at IU would not be a surprise at all. I mean, that would be, um, and and I I also got to caution people about Thon Maker. People see Thon Maker's unbelievable videos and he can do things that no one else can do but when you watch him play a full game he has got a lot of work to do in his game before he's really ready to go and be um, a big impact because he's just athletically he's a freak but basketball wise he's just he's still got to figure some things out so he just like he just like the guy at Kentucky was the number one player coming in this year his his game he's a little bit better than him but I see I highlights of him too. I'm not impressed in, and I don't think he's ready for the NBA. Uh, I don't either. And you know, we have one mock draft. He's actually dropped out of the NBA. One still has him up there in the in, in the lottery, and one mock draft has him dropped out completely the first round and not drafted at all. And well, I'm gonna listen to y'all on the radio. Thank thank you very much for I'm, your call, Truth. Have a great rest of your weekend. All right, Truth, right, turn me off because I was all ready to talk about the McDonald's All-American game. That's and, all right. Uh, let's, let's start on that girl's side because, you know, okay. we got to start there. Can Ladies we'll first. Two 6'4 centers on the McDonald's All-American team. Uh, Sierra Johnson out of Texas and Kylie Shook out of Colorado. Both of them 6'4 centers going to be playing the McDonald's All-American game. Wow, that's, that's big news that's for the amazing. cards, isn't it? This is Kentucky and Louisville have had someone on the uh, women's McDonald's All American game. The both teams have been represented every year for for the you know for the recent future. I can't I don't know how far back it goes, but it goes back a you know three four maybe five years of them having and then Louisville having multiple McDonald's All Americans and Kentucky had McDonald's has had McDonald's, uh, multiple McDonald's All Americans as well. So it's not um it's not uncommon because those those both those coaches are recruiting at a high level. Um, and they're, it's showing, I mean, because of their seasons are, are showing it. Um, can, uh, Lindsay Cor, I'm not, I hopefully I'm saying her name right. Corsaro out of Indianapolis is, is the McDonald's all American guard for Kentucky in the girls game. So Lola and Kentucky represented in both the boys and the girls game. Honestly, VJ King, um, out of the Paul, the six, um, is in that, in the, on the East team for the, um, for the boys side and Kentucky ended up having, uh, Bam Adebayo, Darren Fox, and Malik Monk, and Sasha Cleo Jones. So we had four guys named McDonald's All-Americans, and winning Gabriel, the fifth guy, was not eligible to be um, – not eligible because he's a fifth-year player to, to play in the McDonald's All-American game. And also a big shout-out to the PRP's coach, Dale Mayberry, who was selected to coach the West team um, on, on the uh, McDonald's All-American game. So that's pretty pretty awesome for Coach Mayberry. He's been doing it for a long time. And, is one of the best in the business as far as high school coaches go in this area. So that's the uh, McDonald's roundup. The, the The main thing now is is talking about kind of like who's left. And um, when you when you talk about who's left, you've got one of the there's three guys out there that are about, you know ranked above everyone else as far as uh, the top three players in the country. And Harry Giles, who tore his ACL, has not played this year at all. 
Yeah, uh, he was supposed to go to Oak Hill. Um, he is going to play at Duke. He's he's in that conversation. Jason Tatum, who I got to see play last weekend, um, is a very talented guard out of Chaminade St. Louis High School. Chaminade High School in St. Louis. He's as well going to Duke. And Josh Jackson out of Cal. Uh, he goes to school in California. He's originally from Detroit, Michigan. He's the only one of those guys that's kind of left. And uh, he had a big recruiting weekend going to Kansas last weekend. So Kansas has kind of not really been able to pick up on any of these commitments yet. But they're in the running for Josh Jackson as well with Arizona and uh, and Michigan State. What about Marcus Bolden? <clears throat> yeah, so he's a very interesting take because, you know, Kentucky supposedly was going to make a run at him, but there's really no – spot for him there's no spot for him i mean you got you're bringing in three big guys next year already and you don't know what's going to happen with this current roster um so kansas is another one that's in the in the running for him as well as duke because i I'm, i think you're going to see kentucky kind of drop off there um because i mean there's just there's nowhere for him to go so marcus bolden uh could as well end up at kansas and then the the guy that i think you want to watch out for overall to see if he ends up in Kansas is uh, Yudoka Azubuki, who uh, was was leaning towards committing last weekend at the Hoop Hall, the event that I was at. Uh, everyone thought that he was for sure going to go to Florida State. And then the news broke that day that he was going to play at the Hoop Hall that, for, that there was no, Florida State was no longer involved. And it's kind of down now between Kansas and North Carolina. So he's the guy that um, – because ranking-wise, these guys are all within – 10 spots of each other. Um, but I think Azubuki is actually better than Bolton. Um, and I, I think that's going to be the, the next chip to fall to see who gets to who, see who gets Azubuki. And then, and then we're going to see Bolton probably come behind that. Jared Allen's another big man out of Texas that uh, Kansas is looking at, but could choose to stay close to home and go to, um, to play at the university of Houston. So, um, no telling really where he's going. Notre Dame, I know for a fact, is trying to get back involved with Jared Allen to see if he can kind of make some space there. And then the last really elite guy that's still out there is a guy named Raul Alkins. If you remember back in the, I think it was August, I talked about Raul Alkins. He's a shooting guard um, out of out of the Northeast, out of New York. And I thought that he was probably going to be a Kentucky commitment, but then Kentucky was able to grab both Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. And... uh it looked like for sure he was going to NC State, uh, and then he, um, he he most recently started getting a lot of interest from St. John's. So him playing close to home and going to St. John's is a real possibility. He's a real physical guard, uh, so it, the the Big East Conference would be a good fit for him. So that's kind of the roundup of the guys who are out there. Uh, Louisville has two commitments, Frankie Hughes and VJ King. And then they've got their uh, they've got their senior transfer, and so they should be done. Um, when I talked to U of L's coaching staff last, it was before the senior transfer, and they thought they were going to get one more guy. And I'm assuming that senior transfer is that guy that they they don't have a spot for another guy. Frankie Hughes is a pure spot up shooter, so um, he's a catch and shoot guy. He is a guy that uh, some people think they could project him as a point guard, but he's really probably more of a catch-and-shoot shoot two guard. Um, can do a little bit off the dribble, but mostly that's what he's going to be looking at to be is a catch-and-shoot guy. Mike, and then if, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was going to – I didn't mean to interrupt you. 
No, that's okay. I was going to say, looking across these uh, signings of the McDonald's All-American roster, what I, what I pay attention to is what schools are represented. Yep. Um, I, I see some good news for, for a couple of the coaches that I like to see on the uptick. Uh, both of them, uh, w- one being Avery Johnson's got a representation for Alabama. Right. Alabama's actually got he's, – he's putting together a pretty good recruiting class outside of just Terrence Ferguson, who I really like a lot. And um, – He's making a lot of noise with the 2017s. Okay, so Avery Johnson is a coach on the rise. And then we got another one in Texas. Shaka Smart's got representation with Andrew Jones. Who's a, a dynamic point guard. And, again, they might not be done either. I mean, they could be in the run for some of these these big men that are left. Um, but, yet Shaka is going to bring Texas basketball back to being a, a very competitive situation. Back to, still, to the mediocrity that, that Rick Barnes – Constantly aspired to, and I'll tell you what. I, the other guy, though, for Alabama that you let me go back to Alabama real quick. Sure, there, there was a guy for Oak Hill Academy, which I'm assuming almost everyone's heard of. Um, was in the event that I went to play to went to watch last weekend, and they have a guy, a small forward, six eight, who is kind of a you know, he's in the fifty to seventy five range as far as the player rankings. But this year it's very deep. the the player The player pool is very deep this year. Um, but Braxton Key is a guy that is going to be a complimentary player to Terrence Ferguson. They're, with Terrence Ferguson and Braxton Key, they're bringing two wing scores that are really going to be able to, to play at a high level. And so you, you should see Alabama's offense really transform really quickly. Terrence Ferguson's a guy who's been on the scene for a long time. He's been playing at the elite level of high school basketball for, for three years, and he used to play with Emmanuel Moutier. And so now you're starting to see, and, and everyone knew that he was going to progress and be this great player. And then now Braxton Key, obviously, you don't go to Oak Hill unless you've got you've been really successful somewhere. And not only is he at Oak Hill, he's probably Oak Hill's best player. And so um, you're pulling in two guys that can just really, really play at a high level and score at a high level. Um, so be the SEC. Better, especially the SEC West, Alabama could be set up to make a serious run here um, really soon. Um, but he had, by the way, he had 16 points and four, 14 rebounds in the game that I was uh, that I was at last week. Um, but Shaka, if you remember when uh, when Cal was hired, Rick Barnes's name was tossed around as somebody that Kentucky was going to go after. Actually, it might have been when they hired Gillespie, and uh, that's a guy that. As a Kentucky fan, I had no interest in seeing <laughs> at all. And when you talk about Texas, Texas basketball, Texas has got so many athletes in general, but there's so many uh, basketball players that come out of, out of the state of Texas. If Shaka can just keep the guys to stay home that need to stay that need to stay there, Texas is going to be really, really good too. And um, I think they got the guy from a recruiting standpoint that can do it. Texas is a perfect situation for Shaka. Because he's gonna, he's not gonna be the premier program. He's always gonna be right behind the football program, and for that fits a guy like Shaka Smart. Um, so you should, in, in a similar way that we think that Charlie Strong should be that way. But the difference is that Shaka is not this polished speaker. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, he's he's just he's really. He's not the guy that you'd want to put up in front of a bunch of boosters and say, you know, give us money. Let's let's put it that way. So, um, but yeah, they got 
Andrew Jones is going to be a great player for them, and I think a guy that Shaka can really embrace and get to the next level. But they've got two other four-star guys. They do have a center out of La Lumiere, James Banks, and uh, Jacob Young, who's a point guard. So if they put Andrew Jones at the two because he's kind of a combo and start this Jacob Young guy, they, they've got, they're starting to fill in a roster full of four- and five-star kids. Um, the big surprise on the McDonald's All-American game for me were Zach Collins, who's going to Gonzaga, because he's kind of off the radar a little bit. So, sorry to interrupt you there, Mike. Uh, we do have one question for the recruiting buzz. We've got to wrap this up here because we've got Ashley's Loco Cinco up right. against it, but we've got a, a caller. Michael is on the line with us. Michael, what question do you have for, for Mike? Hey, hey, yeah, I'd just like to get uh, Mike's take on uh, Kentucky's backcourt next year uh, because uh, – Jamal Murray's on and going. I see leaving UK, and I know this is not the first time for Cavs to navigate a great, you know, backcourt. But with Fox coming in and Monk, let me get your take on how how you see it playing out. Great Thank question you. from our man Michael. Thank you very much for the call. This. The the I roster uh, shifting for Kentucky is a, a very significant topic, Mike. Yeah, I got to see Malik play last week uh, for the first time at the hoop hall. He did not have a great game. Actually, he had a he had a very average first three quarters. And uh, his team was down big, and then he turned it on, and I think he had 16 points in the fourth quarter. And he just showed, you know, he can really attack the basket. What you're going to see out of both those Kentucky guards next year is that they're athletic freaks. And they are um, just really, really, really athletic and active, and lots of highlights coming out of those two. De'Aaron Fox is a guy that I first saw at the NBA 100 camp a couple years ago, and I was just amazed at how athletic he is. And De'Aaron Fox's his handle has come a long way. I was. I really feel like the big key for Malik Monk is being being more consistent uh, from the three point range because I don't think either one of these guys is an elite shooter, and uh, and you're gonna and that's kind of been Cal's thing. He's not been getting these elite shooters. He's been getting these slashing type guards more than anything else. But both these guys are about as athletic as they get, and um, you're gonna see two very electric guards next year and then of course you're still going to have Tyler Eulis there too so you might have which makes it interesting because they don't have great size so I don't know if you play one of these guys at the three or how that works out Uh, they're both about 6'4", both Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox Great first segment, the debut of the recruiting bros, Mike good work, we appreciate everyone tuning in, be sure to stay tuned Ashley, Mike and I will be right back with more of the weekend sports buzz stay tuned It's time for the most electrifying segment in all of sports radio, Ashley's Loco Cinco, otherwise known as Ashley's Crazy. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Ashley's Crazy. (laughs) You all not always giggle, but... I mean, Mike, I feel like now we need to come up with an, an intro for your segment with just that the much same zest. Amount, yeah, of zest and pizzazz. Maybe even that much um, ethnic or um, <laughs> ethnic, uh, cult, <laughs> h- Hispanic quality to it. Because there's, there's a certain uh, 
what bull riding Spanish uh, over undertones to, to Mike's introduction there, isn't there, Mike? I mean, wh- where did you draw your inspiration for that? From my heart. Okay. You know, it's just my love for Ashley. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> for now, right? That's right. All okay. Right. All right, story number All one. All right, story number one. So the Arizona Cardinals, I think, are in trouble anyway. Um, but now Carolina Panthers have a little extra motivation to win today. And that extra motivation is 150 pounds of bacon and sausage, <laughs> courtesy of the Waffle House. Uh, so the Panthers, they have joked um, kind of on social media and in media interviews and such that their secret weapon this season has been food from Waffle House. Uh, so now they are one win away from the Super Bowl, and the Waffle House has plans in motion to hook Carolina Panthers up with a huge breakfast should they be victorious today. So apparently uh, the Waffle House spokesperson says that they have reached out to the team and said, shall they win this game, that all they have to do is name the place and the time, and they will be ready to provide them with their much-needed Waffle House food. On the menu, 100 to 150 pounds of bacon and sausage, as well as all of the waffles the team can eat. So, I might be heading to Carolina because I love Waffle House. I always wonder if guys like that really eat that stuff. I'm sure they do. Yeah, I think when you're that... When you're that active... That active, it doesn't matter what you eat. You pretty much eat what you want. So... There's, what'd you say? Especially when you're a lineman. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they probably encourage it. The one thing I don't ever buy is when I see Rick Pitino or Charlie Strong doing these ads for rallies. You don't think? Oh, Coach P definitely eats rallies. I mean, I think everybody eats rallies. I I, I personally don't. I don't don't think Rick Pitino eats rallies. You're not American. No, I, I think Rick Pitino probably eats a very strict diet. He, I think he probably does, but you also realize that he exercises. Like crazy, too, so. Okay. I don't know. So um, there's also a picture, which you guys can Google if you like, of the um, folks in the Waffle House uh, headquarters dabbing as a tribute. (laughs) (laughs) Is dabbing the stupidest thing ever? It is. It's crazy. It it wasn't that bad until they started having, like, Frank Beamer do it. Oh, yeah, I'd say it wasn't that bad until everyone started doing it. Yeah, everybody started doing it. Yeah, (laughs) that's where it got to where it was just too much. All right, so, moving yeah, along. Yeah, I'm so, what a great, uh, but you know, what a great marketing scheme by Waffle House to get you know to take advantage of all this. Heck yeah! Yeah. All Why right. wouldn't you? That's absolutely. Yeah. M- moving along, story number two. Story number two. Uh, so former NFL wide receiver Jabbar Gavney, who played Florida, for the Texans. Florida. What'd you say? He's Florida Gator. Florida Gator, right? Florida Gator. But, Yep, yep, he played for the Texans, Patriots, Jets, Broncos, and Dolphins, but he was busted, the Florida Gator, in Florida on Friday for weed. I think Kelly was with him. Um, so the cops say the 35-year-old, um, who was the second-round pick back in 2002, was pulled over in Jacksonville um, for illegal window tent and failure to maintain a single lane. Uh, during the stop, the police officer says the truth. The trooper noticed uh, the strong smell of weed coming from the vehicle and later found 6.5 grams of marijuana in the car. He was arrested 
and booked for marijuana possession and possession of drug paraphernalia. A bond set at $7,000. That's too bad. I, I hate hearing somebody going down for that. And for the record, no, I, I was not. For the record, I was not with him. Oh, okay. Technically. Um, but I think that's bad. Just somebody getting busted for just, I mean, what, what else was he doing? Um, he was, he couldn't. If he was driving poorly, single lane. Yeah, he was okay. driving. Okay, and then he, he and deserves he had a to legal get in trouble. Window tint. Okay, well, I don't mind the window tint. If you're driving recklessly, you should be held accountable in all seriousness. If you're putting other people's lives in danger, yeah, exactly. And I don't mean to joke about anything that has to do with that. If you're not putting anyone else's lives in danger, by all means, I think anything, anything is in bounds, in my opinion. All right, <laughs> moving along. Story number three. Story number three. Um, so we, I think we maybe talked two weeks ago about Lawrence Phillips um, and the reported suicide, but multiple people connected with Lawrence Phillips, including his criminal attorney, reports that the suicide note found with his body was not in his handwriting, um, adding more doubts to the claim that he took his own life. So... Um, like the previous report basically was saying that Phillips family were saying they were not buying the explanation from uh, the Kern Valley State Prison that said Phillips committed suicide in his cell last week. Um, so now Phillips attorney say the key to the case could be the handwriting on the note uh, found in Phillips sock on the day of his death. So um, basically, there's going to be a lot of it's going to be interesting to see how they figured this out. But Phillips apparently had written dozens of letters during his time behind bars and had a very distinct style to his writing. Uh, his attorney says that the ex-NFL star's family is now in the process of hiring an independent investigator to look into his death, believing that he may have been murdered. So wow, who they don't know, um, but his attorney... The family's attorney is saying that um, maybe Lawrence had been targeted by the Crips gang members inside of the prison because he had had some issues with them months before his death. So that is going to be an interesting one to follow for sure. Golly, that sounds horrible. What, 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 what a tragic ending to such a successful, promising uh, athletic career. Yeah, You'll get sure. into that Netflix show? That making of a murder. I did. Oh, yeah, I have not. I watched the whole thing. Did you all watch Concussion? I'm pretty confident that was a homework assignment. It was. Darn it. Fired. Both of you. Fired. You didn't even let me answer. Oh, go ahead, Mike. No, I didn't. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. I know you all well enough. Because if uh, you would have watched it, that would have been the first thing you said. But the making of a murder thing, I think, has to put a lot of doubt into whenever we see stories like Lawrence Phillips, just how things are either brushed aside or covered up or assumed or, you know, just... Did you watch Making of a Murderer? I watched a couple episodes. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't get into it as much as everyone else, but... Th that whole thing, honestly, I've watched the whole thing and I've read a lot of the rebuttal and I listened to a couple podcasts and, I mean, there's... It really depends on who puts what together and which side is the one presenting the information to you because the more that I learn about that, I think that guy was actually guilty. So there you go. I mean, and that and that's possibly. But, but it does bring to light that you're right. That we need we need all the information, and that yeah, we don't you don't always know the true story um, just by the first glance. And uh, you know, if nothing else, the investigation was still questionable of what how things went down. Very, and, you're right. Yeah. Uh, um, and same kind of thing with with Lawrence Phillips. I mean, who knows who's who's 
inside the prison that's got a, a dirty connection with one of the prison guards that you know that allowed them to kind of sweep things up and try to brush it off as a suicide. I mean, none of the you know maybe I watch too many prison type uh, TV shows and movies, but you know it, it doesn't seem like everything's fitting together with Lawrence Phillips. So it just it's too sad. That guy was about as talented as they come. He actually had a, a legitimately good start to his NFL career before just getting into too much trouble. Trouble, Mo- right? Yeah. Mo- moving right along, story number three. Um, is that right? Or no? I think this is four. this is number four. Sorry. Story number four. Marshawn Lynch's mom is now making a statement about whether or not her son will retire, and she says he's still got gas left in the tank and will not retire yet. So basically, um, Miss Lynch was. I'm sure asking, she's hoping that he won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she is, but she has an ulterior motive, and it's not anything to do with Marshawn. But um, she she says um, she really believes that we haven't seen the la- the last of Beast Mode. She also added that her younger son um, Devonte will be coming out next year, and she says she told Marshawn to wait for his brother. So um, Devontae's a running back at New Mexico Highlands University, and her goal is to have both of her sons playing in the NFL at the same time. So um, I don't. Is I've never heard legit of legit NFL prospect. I don't know that. That was my question for you guys: <laughs> Is have you heard anything about Devontae Lynch? Is he very good? I mean, obviously he's at New Mexico Highlands University, which I've never heard of before. Or seen play, so that doesn't mean anything because you know it's me. But is this guy really a legit NFL prospect? Is he any good? Is that realistic? So I guess maybe that's our homework assignment: look this guy up and figure out. She clearly didn't watch Concussion. If that's her goal, she clearly did not. <laughs> if she's saying, Marshawn, I know you want to retire for your health. I got you. I follow you. Yeah, I'm. But, all, I'm I love your health, Marshawn. But listen to this. I have a dream that both you and your I brother have a dream. that both you and your brother will play at the same time. So I'm going to need you to stay in there and get beat up some more. Yeah. Well, uh, and, you know, coming out of a community college or whatever that that co- I'm is that a community college? What? I, I mean, know. let's. I'm going to Google. Continue. I'm going <laughs> to. It's not. We we see plenty of guys come out of the out of small universities. Let's put it that way. Unknown universities that have great NFL careers. I mean. Uh, even though they're Division One, the first player taken from the state of Kentucky this year in the NFL draft is going to be out of is going to be a player from Eastern Kentucky. Uh, so I don't know. I you would think with his background though that he would have gotten a better, at least with his brother's connections, that he would have gotten a better opportunity than New Mexico, whatever. New Mexico Highlands. New Mexico Highlands, yeah. You know so. what's cool about football is I, I think it's the ultimate meritocracy and that they don't just hand out. I mean, every once in a while you'll see Carson Palmer and then all of a sudden his brother Jordan Palmer magically is signed as the fourth-string quarterback for the Bengals. Something like that will happen every once in a while. But for the most part, signings in football, and the NFL in particular, is just the ultimate I guess you would say capitalist structure and that they, they give opportunities to people who, who deserve them and they cut you off and they leave you in the just all alone, cold, and by yourself uh, if you're not an absolute asset to them. So we'll see. There's, if not, he, enough, there's not enough roster spots to do anything different. I mean, Exactly. I mean, you're going to lose your job if you're a GM or a head coach or anything like that if you're not 
looking at it that way. So, I mean, there's such spotlights on everything that has to do with the NFL that if he's worth it, he'll get a shot regardless of the school that he's from. Well, you, got, you got what? How many guys? You can dress 48. Is that what you can dress for an NFL game? Uh, I don't know. I don't Sounds know. right. You got 53 on the roster, I believe, and you can dress 48 or 50. And you've got 11 offense, 11 defense, a kicker and a punter. So if you just want to have one backup. 46 can dress. Yeah, 46? Yep. So there you go. If you got 22 start first and second strings on defense, 22 on offense, that's 44 guys and you got a kicker and a punter, there's 46 players. So if you're going to go if you're going to go too deep at every position and then have a kicker and a punter, that's 46 guys. All right. Uh, it mo- says that they're in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. Hmm. Okay. Has anybody heard of that? Do they play Bria? They do not. <laughs> regardless, <laughs> though, in, in all seriousness, you know, regardless. Bria does not have a football team. We, we see players come out of small schools all the time in both basketball and football, so I, I'm not going to say uh, completely brush it off as a, a uh, illegitimate dream that they could both play in the NFL at the same time. It happens. It happens a lot. I mean, some people uh, do crazy stuff. Hell, I don't think Antonio Gates played college football, and he's going to go down as arguably the best receiving tight end in the history of the league. So uh, it could happen. Uh, we'll wait and see. I, I, I think Marshawn Lynch will end up playing again. I don't think he's going to pull Robert Smith. He's not even 30 yet. Y- yeah. I mean, that's a little premature. Robert Smith did it. Uh, Barry Sanders did it. Jim Brown did it. It's not completely unheard of, and it would, it would be aligned with the Junior Seau and, and all these crazy just brain studies that have came out as of late. The movie, uh, Concussion, um, Jim McMahon. Um, all these different case studies that show, shockingly, football is not good for your brain uh, could lead to Marshawn Lynch retiring, arguably at the top of his game. So moving right along, story number five. Oh, I, I also just sure. found they are in their Division Two, NCAA Division Two. Okay. All right. Story number five. Uh, former Oakland Raiders defensive end Anthony Smith. I don't know if you all heard this or not, but he was just sentenced to three consecutive life sentences for um, he was finally convicted of killing three men between 1999 and 2001. So um, Anthony Smith played for the Raiders from 91 to 97. Um, He was found guilty of kidnapping two brothers, uh, Kevin and Ricky Nettles, from a car wash in 1999 and then shooting them to death. Um, Their bodies were dumped roughly eight miles apart in 2001. Cops said um, that Smith was part of a group that kidnapped Dennis Henderson and then stabbed him to death. So um, Smith appeared in L.A. County Superior Courtroom this past Friday where judges basically threw the book at him, um, sentenced him to life in prison for each of the three murders without the possibility of parole. So um, sad for sure to see, like we just talked about um, a few minutes ago, somebody's career that was so great. Horrible change in something like this, and, and it starts to make you wonder how many of these guys. And I, I posted um, something on TV about, or on Twitter, I think, and Facebook when we're talking about. I think maybe after the Cincinnati Bengals game, where people were getting all over the one guy about you know being so aggressive and this and, that and the other. Vontae's perfect. Von, yeah, Vontae's perfect. And I was saying how. If you watch the movie, which you guys are going to do this week, I hope, 
um, it starts to make sense why these guys do some of the things that they do, and they have these fits of rage and um, uncontrollable be, being unable to control their emotions and actions and stuff like that. When you start to pay attention to the things that they're doing that don't make any sense whatsoever, um, not to give them an, any type of an excuse, but it starts to make sense that sometimes some some guys just are off. They're just. That's I, and, just who they are, but and some I think of them the, have the, some the, serious... The sport of football attracts those barbaric-type men. Sure. I, I mean, it, it is entirely inherent within the sport that the more aggressive, bigger, stronger guy who's always identified with himself as being a physical specimen who gets his way in life because of his physicality, that's who ends up playing football. I don't think it's completely shocking that they then turn around and have, you know, domestic violence. And violent tendencies and overly aggressive uh, lifestyle, but the it, repeated blows to the head is not uh, uh, rocket. Doesn't take rocket science to show that getting you know your ass kicked repeatedly and hit in the head um, is not good for you. And also the drug usage that goes into it. A lot of these guys are addicted to painkillers and, and and things like that. It's just a, a nasty cycle. Uh, of um, and baseball has similar problems too, um, where where it's just uh, a negative lifestyle. I'm working on getting my man Earl Heyman will be back in studio with us here shortly, um, and and he'll have a unique insight, being that he he played football at all levels and he he was involved with one of the more aggressive bounty gate uh, teams with uh, uh, the the New Orleans Saints when they got in all that trouble with Jonathan Vilma and all those guys. So we'll have to ask Earl about that. All right, let's do a recap of Ashley's Loco Cinco. What were the what were the stories? All right, so here's a rundown. Story number one: Carolina Panthers and Waffle House. Story number two: We've got uh, Jabbar Gaffney busted with six and a half grams of marijuana in Florida. We've got uh, the question mark around the Lawrence Phillips suicide note. We've got. Uh, Marshawn Lynch's mother saying he's not done and her baby's on the way to the NFL. And we've got story number five, Anthony Smith convicted to three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. So I pulled up uh, the all-conference, the all-Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference all-conference team, and he wasn't even the best running back on his team. So I'm going to say it's probably doubtful that the Lynch – kid is on his way to the NFL. Okay. Well, do you do you think because of who he is, he'll get a combine invite, or do you think just no? No. They don't, I, I don't think they hand out com, combine invites. So I, They do. You know, well, they, no, they don't. Like They, they do it based on, uh, you know, yeah. it's uh, warranted. They will. I think we, you, more likely he might get a workout for a team or whatever else like that. But, I mean, Not one guy on his – one running back from his – his team, by the way, finished second to last in the conference – and one running back from his conference from his team was was honorable mentioned um, all all conference and it wasn't him. So, all right, uh, because of his mugshot, I'm voting for Jabbar Gaffney. He had a that very mugshot is awesome, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I've, as somebody who has a, a few solid mugshots in the database somewhere, uh, I can say Jabbar Gaffney looks like he was. Uh, How many times have you been arrested, Kelly? <laughs> Three. Wow! All right. Yeah, you're, you're. I'm hoping you're the leader in the clubhouse. I don't know for sure with Ashley's. A- oh, Ashley's. Many. I mean, you uh, all know 30. my street cred is yeah. real. Ashley's very rough. I am yeah. roughneck. Doctor, 
Doctor, Almost doctor. Oh my gosh, guys, okay. before we finish, I have to tell you all that my dissertation chair officially scheduled my dissertation defense. So you all pray for me. Um, so it's scheduled for April 7th at 10 o'clock in the morning from 10 to 12. And um, that means that all of my revision, the revision process, which is basically a back and forth of her saying, fix this, I fix it, send it back, she says, oh, fix this too. That has to be done in my complete dissertation sent to my committee by March 11th, which puts me right at about six weeks now. So, so you're a doctor. Yes. Right at the heart of basketball season. Right at the heart of basketball season and <laughs> right at the heart of planning a wedding and running a business and... All of these other fabulous things are going on in my life. So Very busy woman. If is, I start looking a little crazy, you all don't judge me. We will bear with you. As long as you keep showing up, we will all accept I you. judge you every day. I know. That's what you do. Like you're just I okay. Do. I stay at home just judging Ashley. Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the Buzz Line now. we got our man Marcus on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Marcus? Well, I'm doing pretty well. I, I just heard you guys talking about some guys going to the combine, etc., out of college. I was wondering what you all thought about the uh, conference championships games today. Well, I'll go first. <laughs> I'm. I'll just tell you my picks because I'm sure these aren't hard. the first one. At least it's not hard to to figure out. I'm picking Carolina Panthers to beat Arizona. I'm also picking Carolina Panthers to win the Super Bowl, and then I'm picking dun 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 the Denver Broncos. Wow to be the Patriots because I feel like the Patriots started off the season on a mission and they kind of fell off a little bit. And I don't, I don't know. I just don't know about the focus of the team. And I, I don't know. I think it's time for Manning to step up. This is going to be it. He's going to go out with the bang. So those are my picks. What do you all think? I'll also go with the, the Panthers out of the, the NFC and I'll go, I'll actually go with the Patriots out of the AFC. And I think that the, the Panthers will defeat the, the pa- Patriots in the Super Bowl. Mike? Well, I'm gotta, I picked Arizona at the beginning of the year, so I'm going to stick with Arizona. Although I feel like the, uh, the home field advantage in both games is going to be a major factor uh, for, these, for these teams. But Carolina having all that snow on the ground, I think probably it's going to be pretty tough on Arizona on that one. Um, although I'm, I guess they'll have the field cleared and all that stuff. But... I picked Arizona to start the year. I'm, Arizona's my Super Bowl champion, and I'm sticking with that. And uh, I think they're going to play the Patriots. Uh, I just feel like the Broncos are – although the Broncos defensively could give the Patriots a whole lot of problems. Uh, uh, if the Broncos are going to win, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, but I, I'm, I'm like the Patriots. Marcus, what do you think of the significance? How, how big of a deal are these games today, Marcus? Well, I think uh... – especially the second game, the NFC Championship game. I don't know if you guys have seen this anywhere, but the combined number of regular season wins is the highest number of wins for any two teams to ever play in a conference championship game. Nice. So in a way, you could make the argument that Arizona-Carolina is maybe the best football game we've ever seen. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, uh, who is it? Is it John Madden? who always says your record in football, your record is what you are. So if we're judging it on a 16-game schedule and and who has the most wins, sure, Marcus, it makes sense. This is the most prolific game in the history of the NFL. Plus, you know, they both won another game in the playoffs. So you got 30 wins between the two games, between the two teams going into the game. So it should be 
fantastic, but you know, very few things ever live up to the hype. Twenty-eight wins, but yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think that 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 one should be should be the Super Bowl. I mean, whoever comes out of that one, I think is probably going to win it all. The twenty-eight games, Mike. Except they both have won a uh, a playoff game too. We count. Are they, yeah, that's right. Count that record. Yeah, I, I guess it, for the sake of this, yeah, thirty total. So that's where that number that's comes from. But uh, Marcus, w- what are your predictions for the games today? Uh, I'll I'll go with Mike. I, I think he had a good prediction at the beginning of the season. I'll take Arizona uh, in a mild upset. Uh, and being a longtime Patriots fan, you know the Patriots representing represent everything that is good and decent in the world. They got a guy on the team that played with stitches in his leg because he had to break into a car to save a woman from burning to death. That's that's typical of uh, the New England Patriots. But actually, I can't root against Peyton Manning. Uh, I'd like to see him win the Super Bowl and go out in the blaze of glory. So I'll take the Broncos. There you go. Broncos and Cardinals. All right. Great call, Marcus. Anything before we let you go, anything else you want to get, get in there? That's it. Thank you, you guys have a nice weekend. Talk to you later. Thank you very much for the call, Marcus. Have a great rest of your weekend. You know, the big NFL news for me, though, is that the 49ers – after ripping him all year long. Signed another rugby player? No, they went out and they hired Chip Kelly. Oh, that's right. And yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's, that's uh, huge news for your, your Cardinals. Or for your for the, uh, 49ers. 49ers. Yeah, it's something I'm not really excited about. Um, you got to give him full, full control of the whole program is the thing. No, well, he's not. Luckily. No, you got to make him GM. You got you to ask him which quarterback he thinks is overrated. Or underrated, and maybe they should just go all out, and they should trade all their draft picks for Sam Bradford. I know that uh, unfortunately they have a lot of draft picks to trade away, and I'm glad he's not making that decision. And uh, hidden gem, if, Sam anyone, Bradford's still a hidden gem, I think. If anyone's going to uh, revitalize Colin Kaepernick, though, I would say that he's probably got the best chance of doing it. So that'll be the interesting thing for me to, to kind of watch uh, to see if he can get Kaepernick back. Uh, Oxmoor Chrysler, sorry, real quick. Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line is 502-384-1450. We've actually got a caller on the line with a question for Ashley. Oh, Lord. Heidi is on the line with us. How are you doing this Hi. morning, Heidi? I'm great. Hi, Ashley. Congratulations on almost securing your doctoral degree. That's incredible. Thank you. How are you? Do you have some uh, Louisville women's basketball info for us? Uh, yeah. I don't really have an update, but I know they're playing Syracuse tomorrow, and I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that game. Thank you very much for the call, Heidi. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll get on the, the women's side of things. As Mike, uh, you did provide some good coverage for the, the Louisville uh, women's recruiting side of things. Af- after Louisville got off to somewhat of a rocky start, losing much more at the beginning of the season than anyone would have thought they would have. They've already got five losses on their record. They have now reeled off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then Duke makes nine, ten, eleven. Eleven consecutive wins for this Louisville women's team, playing at seven o'clock at Syracuse tomorrow. Uh, big game. Yeah. Mike, have you followed either the women's or, or Kentucky, uh, the, the Louisville or Kentucky women's teams lately? I follow the Kentucky women's team a little bit, and I'm, I am looking forward to uh, potentially, was it Sunday? Is it Super Bowl Sunday, maybe? Let me just double check. It is Super Bowl Sunday. 
when Notre Dame goes to play Louisville. And we see and, the return of – isn't that the day we have the return of the – or no, that's Duke who has former Miss Kentucky. Yeah, Duke has the former Miss Kentucky. They've already beat Duke. Okay. So I, I want to definitely try to get out there and watch Notre Dame play, although I might be going to Notre Dame on that Saturday to watch them play North Carolina. So Mariah Moore – in the, in the last game, which was on the 17th against North Carolina State, Louisville won 92-90. Mariah Moore had three rebounds, seven assists, and a whopping 31 points for the Cardinals. So Mariah Moore, who once again is the transfer from – I'm bringing it up here. Um, She's not the transfer, is she? Is the she? the, the uh, Brianna Jackson girl, I thought. Okay, you're right. We're, Mariah Moore with 31 points, career high, including two game-winning free throws. So the Louisville women's team – is hot in conference play. When they were playing early in the season, they were playing the smaller schools. For some reason, they lost. But they've got the momentum now when, they, when it counts. And, and you never know with this Louisville program when they will put together another run to possibly even the national championship game. I mean, they've made it there twice. Yeah. I mean, two, what, three, was it three years ago now? Okay. Yeah, it would be three sounds right. Ago. Yep. Yeah. The same year that 2013 when the men won. Um, played a national championship. The women did too. So good stuff there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Ashley. You, oh no, you, you no. were getting ready to get into something. I, oh, I was just, I was still, I was pausing. I was going to pause us because nobody voted for Loco Cinco. Oh, I voted for Jabbar Gaffney's mugshot. And Mike, I guess I'll go with the Waffle House because I like the entrepreneurial spirit from Waffle House, and I'm fat, so we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very wholesome go. answer. It's it's definitely a very wholesome, holistic um, answer. Uh, I was also going to go with the Waffle House because I love Waffle House's waffles and their bacon. So um, I wonder if I could tweet somebody to get in on that meal for free. That could be good for the weekend sports bet. Can you imagine that we could have our uh, weekend sports bets table set up at the Waffle House while the Carolina Panthers are getting their free food and interview them about the Super Bowl? That would be amazing. Luke, Luke Keekley and, and uh, Cam Newton would you be just hanging out on the weekend sports bus? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Kelly, you need to call in some of your bad boy friends and see if you can't see if you can't make that happen. Yeah. The word on the street with me is the, the Panthers are too straight edge. They're too, uh, you know. They're too much like the Patriots. Yeah, they're too soft patch. Like Marcus said, yeah, they're too good as citizens for me. I'm going to predict a Syracuse win today for the for uh, for for in the Louisville game though. Syracuse uh, going up there in the weather. Syracuse is what I think they've only got four losses. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're ranked or not. A- actually, I'm, games tomorrow. Tomorrow, sorry. Yeah. So okay. So you're predicting that Syracuse will defeat the the Louisville women's team. The yeah. the big games right now. Okay, Ashley, did you vote? I voted for Jabbar Gaffney. You yeah. both voted for Subway. Yeah, uh, Subway. I'm sorry, not oh. Subway. Waffle House. Golly, how taboo has that turned into? That, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, my bad. I didn't mean to say Subway and take this uh, conversation into a south direction with the pedophilia. <laughs> oh right? Gosh. Isn't that what uh, – that's automatically what I think of when it comes to marketing for Subway now. You just think of pedophiles? I do, yeah. yeah all I think of is Jared. Oh, my gosh. Talk about brand damaging. Jeez, they should have – if I was an executive with Subway, when I found out about this before it, it came public, I would have just killed Jared and just hit his body somewhere because he has absolutely destroyed their marketability in my eyes. Yeah, that's what I would have done. Moving right along, we got the NFC Championship today, AFC Championship today. What other storylines are significant 
for you guys today. Obviously, Ashley loves Cam Newton. Obviously. Uh, obviously. He is, in all actuality, legitimately on the cusp of being an absolute superstar. Uh, I think he's there. I mean, But if he loses this, today, that's if, a huge upset. If he upset. loses today, it definitely hurts his legacy. He's got to start all over again next season. Exactly. It's an upset, yes. Um, however, I'm greatly enjoying all of the commercials that he's now in on my television. <laughs> Mike, is there anyone on Mike each, is chuckling. On, is What's there funny? What's fiance for Cam Newton? What did you say? Would you leave your fiance for Cam Newton? Absolutely not. Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> what kind of question is that, what Mike? Question God. Is that? Are you crazy? My God. I just want to make sure. I, I mean, I think he's cute and all, but he's not as cute as my fiance. Hello. All right. Your fiance's taller. He's taller. Is he? Yeah, I guess he is. Yeah, he's taller. Like and an I think inch or he's two. Much better looking. But, Mike, is there anyone in either of these games today that you feel similar to how Ashley feels about Cam Newton? Like a man crush? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, both of you all have man crushes. Um, Who's my I man would crush? Say the closest man crush that I would have, like, not from a look standpoint, from just the athletic standpoint of how he plays and. Uh, would be Larry Fitzgerald. Okay. Larry Fitzgerald. And he seems like a really good guy. I like Fitzgerald. I like him a lot. I, My, think, mm-hmm. I think he embodies, to Marcus's point, embodies what the NFL should be about. I mean, he's a, he, at his age, he still loves going, over the, uh, going uh, over the middle and making catches, and he's got some of the best hands in the league. So he's, uh, he's my guy. All right. So Ashley's is Cam Newton. Uh, my man crush for today's NFL. Yours Com- is Tom Brady. No. Or Gronkowski. Nope. There's all these people that you all tried to throw in my face before. Danny Trevathan. Nope. If, if I thought they were cute or not. Nope. Mine is simple, all right? Calias Campbell, the defensive end for the Arizona Cardinals, because he is six foot nine, 300 pounds. That's a lot of fun for you. That is a lot. No, he is an absolute stud. I mean, he is just huge out of Miami. He only has 61 tackles this year, five sacks. But I would argue he's maybe the best defensive player in the NFL. Uh, This Arizona defense is tough. They're missing Tyron Matthews, the the honey badger safety. But if I got to choose a man crush, I'm going with the guy who I wouldn't mind having as my bouncer. Because this guy is 6'9", 300 pounds, absolute monster. Cam Newton needs to watch out today, Ashley. Oh. Yeah. I feel like I feel like there is some That was a threat. That was a threat. Yeah, there's some animosity here. Like my man crush versus yours. What? I hate to do it like that, but Don't yeah, that's that basically what it is. No, I I do think this Arizona defense is absolutely stacked. Uh even without the honey badger and the, the secondary. Um and, and it'll be a hell of a matchup against the number one scoring offense in the NFL this year, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, going into the season, the rap on the Panthers was this. They had some good pass rushers, Luke Keekley, a solid secondary. Actually, it would turn into be an elite defensive secondary. But outside of Greg Olson, Cam Newton didn't have any weapons to throw the ball to. Ted Ginn Jr., I mean, that, that's not much. And, and Cam Newton turned this into uh, the highest scoring offense in the league. I think that cannot be understated how significant that is. I mean, he's throwing the ball as well as Carson Palmer about uh, touchdowns and yards and everything like that. But he also runs the ball at an unprecedented level for quarterbacks. How great is Cam Newton? Uh, In my eyes, he's the clear-cut MVP of the NFL. I don't think there's any question about that. I think he's definitely the best, you know, 
all-around player playing today. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's my guy uh, as far as that goes. I think he would be – and just, just to touch on that, Under Armour is loving it because Under Armour's face for basketball is Steph Curry, golf is Jordan Spieth, and now you get Cam, Cam Newton – Doing what he's doing this year. That's literally who you would pick probably at number one right now for any of the leagues, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, the other thing about from the NFL standpoint is he's got, he's marketable from like people recognize his face. And there's not a lot of NFL stars out there where people That's would recognize true. Their face. Yesterday, um, the guys were all playing basketball and Devontae Parker walked in and like, 70% of the people in the room didn't recognize him. And I said, that happens a lot with football players. Just everyone knows their name, but they don't know what they look like because they have on helmets. Right. Same thing happened with Lamar Jackson walking through the mall. People don't know who he is. Until some, it takes, and sometimes it's like you see him and you're like, mm, I think that might be him, but he yeah. always has on helmets. So I mean, Google, but it only takes that one person to walk up and be like, can I take a picture? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's him. Very good point. And that, that brings up an interesting uh, perspective when it comes to marketing and the NBA, the inherent advantages in the NBA when it comes to marketing versus the NFL is that the NFL players have these helmets on their head. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but they always have helmets on their head when they're on the field. I think they should play without the helmets to get rid of the concussions real quick. For marketing? Well, marketing, and then you wouldn't have concussions because you wouldn't have people doing stupid things using their their helmets. You still have you'd have helmets. You still have concussions, but I think the violence of the game would go down if you took the helmets off the guys. You don't think Indominus Sue would uh, continue to be an absolute maniac, and he would disregard the fact that you didn't have a helmet on, and he would still uh, mess your head up? No, you don't think he would. No, because I mean it, it changes everything. You don't have that. You don't have that layer of protection. Okay. Yeah, I've heard other people say that. Is that the helmet is used as a weapon a lot of times? You see people leading with their helmets when they're tackling, and they've and, become such a. They've become so techno, technologically advanced that you know people think they're invincible with them, right? They do. Yeah, go back to leather. Let's do that. Leather and no face mask. Is Tom Brady? In the, the the New England Patriots, are they going to blow the Broncos out today? I I don't think they're going to blow them out just because I think that that Denver defense is pretty good too, mm-hmm. and um, I do think they're going to win. And it, I mean, obviously, if, if we are a believer that defense wins championships, you should see Denver and you should see Arizona win today. Actually, they, rebounds wins championships, but I mean, you can football? change this for football. Well, if that's the case, then the, the card, Arizona Cardinals are going to win because. There's no question Larry Fitzgerald would lead everybody in rebounding because he's the jump ball king. There you go. Um, speaking of which, just out of curiosity, there's, you know, Carolina does have a Kentucky Wildcat on their team, Gary Williams. Okay. He's in Louisville, Kentucky. And then, of course, Danger Vathan plays for the, uh, uh, for the Broncos. Is so Wesley Woodyard still there, too? Wesley Woodyard, I think, is in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I'll bring that up. Um, is uh, uh, Jacob Tammy still with the? Tammy is a Cardinal. I mean, not a Cardinal, Falcon. Okay. Yeah. Any Louisville guys playing in the uh, conference championship games? I don't know. Let's see. Well, there we go. Kentucky's better than Louisville. All right. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> really, though, Mike? <laughs> this could, in all seriousness, doing so well. years from now, this could represent a changing of the guard. If Cam Newton wins, defeats the feel-good story of the Carson Palmer-led Arizona Cardinals, 
and they face off against the, the Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. I'm not suggesting that Ron Rivera and this Carolina Panthers team um, are, are on the verge of a dynasty similar to the the Patriots. Um, but if there's anybody to make a case for going forward for that, it would be the team that has Cam Newton, the guy who's got a, a hell of an arm. And he's built like a, a defensive end. And he can run like a running back, and he he, he can uh, do all the things that a successful quarterback has to do in the NFL. So, I mean, I, I think that this is a possible uh, Steph Curry-esque uh, run to the title for Cam Newton. Is that a legitimate parallel between those two guys? I mean, uh, we, we see Cam Newton, if they run through this year and they win the Super Bowl, can we compare Cam Newton to what Steph Curry did this past year as far as just – catapulting himself to the very very top of the the game you know the entire season yeah yeah i I would i'd i'd take that i like that comparison especially when you talk about um the doubters because i mean for so long people said last season all golden state they're not that good they don't have this they don't have that they just have these little guys that think they can shoot blah 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 they win, a national, they win the, the world championship, and then people still kind of doubt them. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think from that sense, it's like Carolina has clearly the best record right in the NFL. They're 15-1, and one, and people are still like, eh, well, I don't think they're really that good. So, I, I mean, from that standpoint, I think, I think that's definitely a really good comparison. I think uh, you saw that kind of, you, you, like you said, Carolina this year could have been Golden State last year. And and they could be Golden State this year, all kind of mixed into one because both Golden State and Carolina this year are going on historic runs. I mean, Golden State's got a chance to knock off the Bulls' record of seventy-two wins. Um, they're on pace to do so, and obviously Carolina looked like they could go undefeated all the way up until week fifteen or sixteen when they lost. But uh, going fifteen and one in the NFL is quite an accomplishment as well. And if you can cap that off with winning a Super Bowl. Um, and you've got the best player in the sport for both teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Looking at the receiving leaders for the Panthers, they have Greg Olson, who's turned into a, a bona fide, uh, absolutely legitimate star, uh, being the only offensive guy who gets over 1,000 yards for the season. Nobody rushed for 1,000 yards or more for the Panthers, but Greg Olson had uh, 1,100 yards receiving and t- uh, seven receiving touchdowns. Beyond that, they have Ted Ginn Jr., who did get 10 touchdowns receiving. But then they have Jericho Cotri, Devin Funches, uh, Corey Brown, Mike Tolbert, Ed Dixon. So, I mean, not a bunch of name recognition from this offensive skill position uh, uh, you know, group for the Panthers. Uh, I think if, they, if the Panthers win the Super Bowl this year, they should be in a good position to get somebody to come in for a little bit of maybe a, uh, a veteran discount and come in and, and be a good receiver, maybe a Roddy White or, or somebody who's, who's got some gas left in the tank. Why, why doesn't Steve Smith come back? Golly. What about like an Anquan Bolden? Sure. Somebody like that I think would be a perfect fit for this. I think the key is they got to win a Super Bowl first. What about Calvin Johnson? Well, I mean, we we threw that around that that could have been a midseason trade, and uh, you know, I I think Calvin knows he's on a sinking ship in Detroit, and um, I actually kind of liked Detroit's keeping Caldwell as the head coach because I think that guy's got a lot of promise, but they've got 
some things to fix. Uh, but at the same time, they finished the year really strong. So, you know, what is that in there in a relatively, they're not, it's not a terrible division, but it's not a fantastic division either. Right. They did put two teams in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but, uh, a Minnesota team basically came out of almost nowhere and won that, won that conf- won that division. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I could see Calvin Johnson seeing that there's some, there's some hope in Detroit and there, I could see him wanting to just get the freak out and, and go somewhere else. All right. This upcoming week, we have two college basketball games here locally. We have a Wednesday, both Kentucky and Louisville play, I believe. What do we have to look forward to with this Kentucky team, Mike? Well, I mean, I think the big thing is going to be, can they continue to build off this week? I mean, uh, this is the first week where, that they've shown any kind of promise of being a legit contender. And for me, they've got to continue to battle to be a top four seed because if they're a top four seed, their chances of playing that regional in the Yum Center is uh, is greatly increased. And so... Um, in order to do that, they've got to they've got to play well because I still feel like this could be a ten loss team, and uh, but that doesn't really matter. They got what doesn't matter if they have ten losses. That's not the end of the world, is it? If they if they if they're not one of the top four seeds, I think it's a, it's a big deal. And okay, they've got to get they've got to kind of get everything kind of working because next Saturday, you know, they play Kansas and. At Kansas, and they're gonna, you know, Missouri. Let's is, just go ahead and say it. They're gonna lose that game. They probably Whoa. will lose the game, right? I mean, Ashley, I, I'm not going out on much of a limb there, am I? I mean, I'll put some money on it right now. Uh, I think you're right. I think they probably will lose that game. But if they can come out and they can win that game on the road, no, I that mean, would be, it would be huge. It'd be it would be announcing them back as a potential Final Four. Sure, Fog Allen. I mean, that would be. Number Missouri three. middle of the week. I don't think that's you know that should not be that big of a test at Rupp. That should you know they should unless they're looking past Missouri for at Kansas you know, but Missouri's not very good. But that Kansas game is looming, and that's that's a big game. Just like next Saturday's game for Louisville is a huge game. So no question about it. Two. So so we we get to look at it like this. We got this week. We have two tune-up games. Wednesday, um, Louisville plays at Virginia Tech. I mean, road road games in the ACC or any conference, any of the big conferences are never easy. But regardless of the outcome of that, Louisville then turns around, has a game Saturday at the Yum Center against number 13, Virginia. Very tough game, 1 o'clock. Uh, Kentucky, as Mike said, plays Wednesday, 9 o'clock, versus Missouri. And then they turn around and play on Saturday at 7 p.m. at Fog Allen at Kansas. So a big week of college basketball for all of our college basketball fans out there. What about what about Indiana? Let's bring that up here. Uh, I think our well, listeners care about that. Before too. we get to Indiana, I want to make sure people understand that Bellman is putting together an incredible run too. And and I, I usually do it once a year or so. But if you don't, if you enjoy really good basketball, Bellman plays in a, an unbelievably good conference, and they're a top ten now in both polls. And uh, they've been playing really well. Uh, they did drop a game um uh, this week to wisconsin parkside uh but they have they are in contention and they've got two big time games coming up this week with perennial powers which is st joe's out of indiana and indianapolis uh both of them are home games 
So if you uh, if you get a chance to go out there and check Bellman out this week, it'd be good to go to go see them at home against two really quality opponents. Um, and Rusty Troutman, who would play in the Derby Classic, is really he's had a couple thirty point performances this week. Uh, but no one shoots it better in basketball than than Bellman does. So the the Hoosiers do have a game Tuesday at Wisconsin. Obviously, they've had a lot of turmoil uh, there with their coach inexplicably resigning, I guess is what you would say, right after a game. Um, give his guy the best chance of getting the job later on. I'm I mean, sorry? He's trying to give his choice for the job the best chance of getting the job. Do you think um, he's accomplishing that? Would you have advised him doing it that way? I think he's probably doing it the only way that he could that could have happened. Really? Okay. The, if, yeah. So he knew how much control he had. Obviously, Jim Calhoun at, at UConn had a large say. I think we can all agree in Kevin Ollie being the coach, right? Right, and I think it's worked out pretty well. Oh, yeah, certainly. He won a title. Yeah. You, you were being facetious there, weren't you? Yes, it's worked out I really bit well. entirely. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, yes. Um, but – so, so Wisconsin it plays um, Indiana plays at Wisconsin Tuesday at 7 p.m. and then Saturday Indiana plays against Minnesota on the Big Ten Network at Assembly Hall. So, a couple games that are very winnable for this Indiana team, and they can continue their current 12 game winning streak and, and extend that. I think Indiana is looking good. I know beating Northwestern by 32 points is. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, 32 points. I know that's not that impressive because Northwestern's no good. Um, but Indiana seems to have some real talent, and they've got a deep bench, and I think they deserve to be in the conversation when we're discussing local college basketball, more so than we're probably giving them credit for. I think you could see a scenario with all three of the local schools of each one of them being the highest seed in the tournament. Like where Indiana was the highest of the three, Louisville was the highest of the three, or Kentucky was the highest of the three. I think you could see a scenario with all three of those schools. Okay, so it's a lot of parity here locally even. You could still yeah. see um, Indiana. What you're saying there, Mike, is despite them being ranked, I think they're ranked 25th right now, right? Uh, yeah. In one of the polls. Um, that easily, Indiana could move up and surpass Louisville and Kentucky if the chips fall the right way. Right. Okay. Um, there's a there's definitely something for each of those schools to hang their hat on, and you know they all all of them could be right around that three four five seed line. So uh, be interesting to see how how that all shakes out. Okay, good stuff. It's been a very action packed show this morning. I'm really looking forward to these NFL games today. Ashley, anything that we're leaving off? Any pageantry news or anything like that? How is Miss Filipino doing? Is she? Recovering? <laughs> miss you. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. We haven't heard any. I haven't heard anything lately. Uh, definitely pageant news on the state level. Um, I was just asked to take over the Miss Kentucky's Outstanding Teen Pageant. So that means the state level pageant for girls 13 to 17 in the Miss America system. Wow. So Nia's going to win? Uh, yeah. Who? <laughs> Nia. Uh she can actually she can dribble for her talent, do like a, you know, one of those and one type shows for ninety seconds. I'd like for her to start dribbling. No, no I'm just joking. Yeah. No. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. cool. That's big news. You're you're is, you're running the pageant. Yes. You so, needed something else to do. I know. I needed something else to add to my plate. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, but this is like, I think my one huge uh, community service commitment every year to be involved um, with these girls. And I like, I really like the opportunity to get them at the teen level because um, I mean, for me, pageants were like obviously more than just winning something and getting whatever, but there's the scholarship money. There's the teaching young women how to be articulate, how to use their position of influence to help other people, their platforms and those types of things. And I think if you can catch girls between 13 and 17 and teach them all those things and, you know, empower them and tell them that they're powerful, that they can make a difference in the world, I think it goes a long way when they get into their 20s and 30s. So I'm excited about it. Yes, a lot to do, but it'll be fun. I'm not normally the the most generous man in the world, but I'm going to go out on a limb this morning and extend an offer. If you guys ever need a judge for any of those pageants, holler at you. Yeah. Let me know. It's been a great show. We appreciate everybody tuning in. As he talked about Jared today, I'm just saying. (laughs) Ashley, Mike, and I will be back next Sunday for more of the weekend sports buzz. Thank you so much. What you mean?